five, four, three, two, one. Hey, this is Josh Safty. This is uh, Benny Safty. This is Ronald Bronstein. This is Sebastian Bear McClard. And uh, Benny and I, I just directed it and we wrote it with Ronnie Bronstein, and Benny and Ronnie edited it, and Sebo's produced it. Quickly, we made That's this. Our, we made it blue. This oh yeah, this is a Laura. This is our, it's our blue, blue period. Spacey, sci-fi baby. <laughs> Hassan Rahim did these titles. Kept looking for some sort of uh, ancient parabolic text. Albertus felt right. This was in uh, O'Keep, South Africa. Uh, Ronnie actually ex- displayed a weak throwing arm, throwing rocks into <laughs> oh, that. Was sad. <laughs> How big was that hole that we just saw? That hole was the size of a uh, skyscraper. Yeah, it was it was massive. This is a, a copper mine that was is secretly still active. Uh, dangerous. You dangerous. Mean, actively dangerous. We had complete control over this. These are mostly Ethiopian uh, actors who who live in South Africa. We weren't allowed to shoot in Ethiopia because it's uh, the Welo mines are currently inhabited by uh, Boko Haram, so it's it's kind of dangerous. This guy right here, the Chinese um, manager, he. My ponytail guy. It, it was kind of a, this was kind of like a, a, a prison exper- the prison experiment, the uh, the Stanford, Stanford the Stanford prison experiment because everyone took on their roles, and uh, I remember Maceo who was shooting this, he genuinely felt <laughs> endangered because the contention between the Chinese management and and the miners grew to uh, a fever and people started throwing things and mm. this mine was uh the first time we scouted it remember ronnie uh we took we had to take a little plane every single day uh to this place i hate flying uh but we were in this mine and the first time we looked at it i fell into a plinth hole <laughs> uh and each time we came back there were more and more safety restrictions, which which really showed the improvised nature of this entire uh, section of the shoot. We prepped nine days for a one-day shoot in Africa. While I was in this mine, Ronnie and Sebo yeah. were... <clears throat> yeah, I was shooting uh, B-roll for the, the footage that eventually shows up on Howard's iPhone, um, uh, you know, the 60 minutes uh, footage about the history of the Ethiopian Jews. So Sebo and I were working with a group of... Um, Muslim men during Ramadan and, and I'm asking them to wear yarmulkes. So oh, this, this, <laughs> the banging of the chiseling there, we were told by a professional, a safety professional, not to make loud noises. And we had a special part of the cave there that, uh, of the mine there that was um, uh, dedicated to be tapped lightly. And uh, these two actors just went, at, went in on it and I was just so nervous. I want to just say, those guys are very courageous for not wearing masks during that scene. The oh. air in there was dangerous air. Oh, very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. they told us we weren't to allowed me? to. Yeah. yeah, you weren't allowed to drink water and yeah. bats. This uh, here, this sequence, I spent a lot of time uh, with Brainstorm, with Aron Deneur and Brainstorm uh, VFX uh, to do our um, uh, our journey here through the gem. It is computer graphics, but they they have physical models, which made it even more interesting. Like we'd ask for them to do certain things. And they would say, well, the physical world in this computer world won't allow it. The uh, title here is, is done by Randy Balsmeyer, who uh, worked, 
work has done many great titles with the Coens and Bob Altman and it's Spike actually, Lee. And it was actually modeled after a uh, some of the signs we saw in the Dime District. Yeah. So here is uh, as we're. And this I remember is, when this Ronnie. Is, this is your colon, right, Ronnie? <laughs> yep. Somewhere uh, maybe at the halfway point of the writing uh, process, I'd gotten my first colonoscopy. And I was When you shocked. say halfway, it was 10 years or so, yeah, five yeah, years yeah. into the process of right. writing this. And, uh, you know, I was surprised to discover that um, after talking to uh, the doctor that, that um, colon issues were sort of sewn up into Jewish genetics. So, yeah, it was a... But the, but the connection between the gem and the opal, this is the first uh, spoiler that Howard is the opal. <laughs> uh, this, uh, coming up with these graphics here, were is probably the most expositional we've ever been. You I also get, I also you get to know actually I'm upset that it doesn't say Lenox Hill Hospital, but you get to see his age, forty eight, his full name, Howard Ratner. The I remember having to look at remember looking at all the different colons and we had to find one that was relatively clean. Oh yeah, a dirty colon absolutely disgusting. No one wants to see that. I mean this is all this is guy is very clean. It's a clean colon. Uh that the 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 uh the doctor here is our agent's father. <laughs> Um, and he, poor guy, he was on set for like 16 hours waiting to this shoot was this. This was on oh, the stage. And this was actually the final shot of principal photography. Principal photography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Sandler was exhausted and he was actually asleep in this shot. So the movie takes place in 2012 uh, purely uh, for pragmatic reasons because we centered the film around Kevin Garnett's performance. Again, we didn't close this street so you can see uh, New York City Alive. This, this we closed down. This was all... Uh, no, Except no. we kept we had, yeah, parts we kept, of it yeah. open. For, for years, we had a scene where um, it was in the waiting room after the procedure, <laughs> and uh, he had no chaperone, and, and he had to sort of find a way to finagle himself out of the uh, out of the doctor's office. This set was um, yeah, this was a set which was very set nice. was uh, uh, a lot of fun. It's the type of thing that you you Keith. dream up and you write about that dream, and uh, it becomes so reified over the course of a decade uh, that. Uh, it, it becomes a point of frustration with your art department, but they did, did a great job eventually. A lot so of cash real, out right there, who is really out. big. In 2012, he had one of the biggest hits called Cashing Out. We have a lot of uh, real jewelers in there. We have Andrea and uh, Maxud. You know that was we just passed. Well, them. That's, so this is Keith Williams Richards right here, who is the great one of the great discoveries of this movie. If you ask him about his past, most of his answers end with "Let's leave it at that." <laughs> He's a real. It is what it is okay. kind of guy. This is our own spring water. Everyone on the block in the Diamond District has their own thing that they try to <laughs> separate, that they vodka, try to create. wine, yeah. A lot of people have their own vodka. Greg Una has three kilos of vodka. Everyone has their own vodka in the Diamond District. But we thought, we always said to Sandler, asked early on, he says, Howard drink? I said, Howard does not drink. He's not a drinker. He's got enough going on. He's not interested in it. Maybe it's a Jewish thing. That, that and uh, he said... Uh, Water is going to be KMH's thing. That was a small thing, but they were both in the movie. They, Sandler and Keith, actually, they did a lot of their stunts. So that was that was interesting. Yeah, that was a nasty slap. Yeah, big. Time. This this um this scene. There's a much longer version of it that features a monologue by Keith. That is just p petrifying. It's to the it centers around the burning of a dog. But we we cut this down and condensed it into a title what? sequence here. Credit sequence. So Tommy, right there. What did Tommy say to you, Benny, the other day? He sent you a text. Oh, um, his mom. Oh yeah, he sent me a picture of his mom going to the movie theater. 
And he said, "Look it up. Look it up. Proud my mom is." He but he, so but he used voice yes. dictation. <laughs> he used so voice. So it, it said, read to me, "Look it up. Proud my mom is." But if you say but that you quickly, look, look it up. up proud look my up mom proud is. my mom is. You know, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Tommy was so excited. You know, these. It was amazing to just see, see him fold into it all. Yeah, Tommy and Keith were were special casting decisions. See, this was fun to have to figure out how well, all these extras, fake, yes, all the, the fake, the real background was really fun to kind of figure out. This block is such a specific block in New York. It's 31st uh, between 1st uh, and, and the FDR. Uh, and listen to the, listen for this, the FDR and all we these filmed, This is the actual building that he was entering right there. It's Palm Clementiov here who... Uh, she had a much larger... Yeah, we cut a bunch of her. I mean, that's Sibo. she's a great dad. actress. Your dad's painting. Siamese twins. <laughs> There's a, always reminds me of two of my mother, which is weirdly creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, table someone just recently Dakota. Un- I think it's D- Dakota Jack. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is uh, so. This scene here. Uh, this was a Julia's first scene that we shot with her, and uh, it's oh. her first film. So this was she thought it would be appropriate if her character because her character hasn't been asleep, didn't sleep last night. She would stay up all night in uh, kind of emotional prep for the film, for the scene. And uh, this was originally a six-page scene that uh, has a lot of ups and downs. It was a very difficult one for actors to go hot, cold, hot, cold. I, I, I wanna... But it was, in, it was amazing to, uh, to, to see her eventually trudge through. But it was, at first, we were all kind of rolling our eyes that she did that. But she's I want, incredible here. I want to just uh, shout out to Darius Kanji, because this scene is actually, we had, because it was such a long scene... We we're going to be shooting all day, so we had to have complete control. And that's a, a built window with fake light coming out of it, and it's just so beautiful. Why do you have to ruin the? I want. It's part of that. that's why people are listening to this. They want to hear. They want to see behind it. They want it ruined. Josh. Yeah, ruin yeah. it. This is the ruining. <laughs> Darius is a necromancer. What were you going to say, Ronzo? I remember watching Darius cut small felt triangles. And affixing them to the ceiling was mystifying. <laughs> yeah, what do they do? They like they they this reduce. This photo shoot was shot by the great photographer Daniel Arnold. Uh, I think I think those triangles they like reduce and what I the love exposure about, on one part of the frame. Well, he was very upset. Yeah. China Mac. Uh, There's on China the Mac right there in the background. Uh, <laughs> great local rapper. Uh, this actually right here, uh, uh, Sam is a she's a uh, big big bling rapper uh, in Chinatown. Uh, bling jeweler. Bling jeweler. Sorry, bling rapper. <laughs> She's also bling rapper. Uh, that Michael Jackson piece we built for the movie. Yeah. Mike Fran says it here. This was we wanted to cast the real bookie, Sibo's real bookie. Um, and love, love you. Yeah, no name mentioned. <laughs> but uh, when we had this inspired idea to include the sports pope in a movie about sports degeneracy. Uh, it, he also there is a there is a spiritual connection between Mike Francesa and they're well, they're, they're borough Italian guys who yeah. like to dress sharp. Yes, that, remember like Mike said he he's like oh I know exactly who to model this after. And he brought his own suit <laughs> yes. and he's very proud that he's like I didn't have to go through one second of hair and makeup. There was a, that scene was longer in the script. That scene was great. that's Josh in the background. Yes, that was my cameo. Oh, <laughs> Tommy with an amazing fall. So yeah, it was a, he was actually very. He didn't want to get punched. He was very proud. Yeah, look at a, a, a guy like that. And he's like, get punched. yeah, and he's like, That's but then Todd when we Volpio told, right here, who was uh, Sandler. Sandler trailed a lot for the movie. He's a real jeweler, and and a lot of Howard comes from Todd. But he was really special, uh, generous in his time, and 
and energy. I remember when we showed Tommy who was actually going to punch him. He's like, okay, I, I'd buy that. That's <laughs> Sean one right there. Sean is actually, he's a, he was on One Life to Live, which was pretty amazing. <laughs> that guy played football at Notre Dame, that stuntman. He looks like a teddy bear. <laughs> and these are all live uh, security cameras that you're seeing, which actually was helpful on the set because we would... You had to have. There's a high little... pitched sound right there with the door when the door opens. That came from uh, an additional sound recording day in the Diamond District when we went through a real double door system. Kevin Garnett, man, this this scene, you know, as a director, you you have these these landmarks in your script and your production where you uh, where you have a lot of extras and they're they're they induce a certain sort of anxiety, but. When you're actually on the set, they there's a there's a kind of like a, a big safety net to fall on because they just it just oozes life and and uh, I think demands the uh, great performances. Yeah, and every and everybody's talking in the scene. You know, right. everybody's talking. Right. And every cut, every cut is like microsurgery. Yeah, it's it's literally insane. Cause, and then on top of that, the blocking is changing at every microsecond too. So this this part right here in the in the script here where where Howard says, let me. Uh, the, let me clean your earrings for you. Came from time in the Diamond District research is something that we note that in particular with Todd, he said when you get a big high-profile client in, you want to get the jewelry off of them as soon as possible, and it, it for a number of reasons. A, it allows you to uh, look at the jewelry up close, and then you can criticize it. B, it makes the client feel naked, and they subconsciously want to fill that void and buy something new. And uh, and and C. It's you know a nice gesture to give. A, it's also it doesn't cost you anything. It's also not something. nice to criticize it when it's on their. Well, body. you can't. Yeah, you yeah. can't see it up close. So these are. It's uh, also. It's also so the a, Furby a con- here. It's also just being. You know what's crazy is I never. We thought the Michael Jackson piece was oh, going to yeah. be the iconic <laughs> piece of the movie, and the Furby, which we went through such great lengths to create. Uh, I mean, those eyes are so frightened. Uh, it, it it it's incredible to see how much the Furby, how much love the Furby gets right there. That's uh, Arthur. Uh, another jeweler. Another jeweler. This sequence right here on set, Sandler embraced. We embraced each other, and we did like twenty-five back and forths where he came in and out. Yeah, he's a crazy ass Jew. We love. We're all crazy ass Jews. That's Roman, who's also uh, he works for Todd, who was in the hallway earlier. So uh, when I was. Uh, Doing, I won't say name names, but uh, when we were doing, we've been on this junk tour, press tour, if you want to call it that. This uh, this subplot in the film, the fake Rolex hustle, was a much bigger one uh, over the years, and I got really deep into my research. And there was a handful of uh, people, critics or what have you, who were very interested in knowing uh, about the details of the. Uh, fake Rolex hustle and where to get them and if I could share emails with the suppliers <laughs> and I did <laughs> the Rolex by the way the fake Rolex hustle it's it, they make the movement in the same factory in Switzerland that uh, they're so they're, the fakes are so good that sometimes uh, the authorities have a hard time telling the I remember difference. Ronnie because Kevin kept going up and down and we're so we're such sticklers about that that we literally have to make it match every single time. The sound in the background here was probably as an editing. I mean, you have six, seven people mic'd. Everyone's talking over each other. So you're really finding micro spaces between syllables to conjoin shots. This right here, when the cameras kind of move in for these tighter close-ups between the two of them, it feels almost like 
you're getting to see the main event at a boxing arena. You're getting to see Sandler and Lakeith kind of go toe to toe, and it's an, it to me is when the movie really kind of lets you. It clicks in, click yeah, in, and it's yeah. like, and it's it's this moment in particular where everybody's like, "Oh, well, why is everybody talking?" It's because yeah. this moment feels so much more real well, when also, everybody is talking in the background. It's also they're they're you know they're yeah. partners, and I like that about. Oh, so Darian, who's who's showing up with the, uh, with the package here, uh, Darian. It, so this was a stage, so we did our best to bring as much of 47 shares as we could. So Darian is the most trusted FedEx delivery guy on the block in Diamond District. And as you can imagine, packages in the Diamond District are extremely valuable. Everyone knows what's in them, even if they're generically marked. And he hasn't taken a day off of work his entire uh, time working with FedEx. And when the jewelers saw him on set, they said, is that Darian? I said, yeah. Like, How'd you get Darian to be in this movie? So we just begged him. It was hard. It was just it was harder than it was just as hard as getting Sandler. Uh, a little <laughs> less hard, but um, uh, but he was incredible. Yussi, man, this is Max Sood who who has tracks NYC, and uh, people are getting a kick out of finding his Instagram and seeing because his he, rants on his IGTV and seeing help that this himself. is just as you imagine looking through fish while watching his Instagram. <laughs> He's a real natural ranter. Well, he I mean, he'll just rant. Yeah, he can't help but be himself, Our, and that's what's beautiful. Remember that pile of uh, clothing? Actually, when we were doing research in the Diamond Street one day, these guys came in. Actually, we feature them later in the movie, and they would boost from, uh, from Bloomingdale's, and they would bring this incredible designer clothing in at an, at an amazing discount. Uh, and uh, actually, Sandler made me buy... Uh, a jacket off of them because well they were trying to sell it to Sandler because he clearly had the money for it I ended up buying a nice jacket it looked better on you it, it did this opal we spent a lot of time trying oh. to create this it's about $150,000 worth of, of, of opals uh, some of them precious black some of them we put um, a lot of romance into that stone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we even shot one at one point and had to reshoot it uh People were flying all over the country to get these stones, you know? And then there we had to go. return some of them. Oh, yeah, the eyes. <laughs> yeah, I had been projecting Lord of the Rings, of all things, and uh, there was a moment when Ian Holmes' uh, eyes changed color, and that became the inspiration for those uh, diminishing eyeball effect in that moment. Just so subtle, I oh, wonder how many people pick up on it. People are picking up on it. They are now. It's funny to hear that. We added all these cell phone rings, which is funny. Everyone there is checking out all the pictures that are on the wall there, which are uh, loaned to us from Izzy Aviani, who is, whose son appears in the movie as Sandler's son. One of my favorite lines right there. And I, that Kev, <laughs> I was watching the History Kevin, Channel, you Kevin know, was trying so, to learn shit. Kevin was so good here, and this is this is probably like oh, one I love of the, that line too. One though. of the Hold hardest. On. No, I'm in the middle Lakeith's of saying something. Line. I'm in the middle of saying Everybody something. wants to be a Jew. He I'm wants in the everyone middle to be of a saying Jew. something. <laughs> Kevin I'm just trying here. to get deep here, Benny. I, I mean, too. I'm saying, I'm talking about Kevin. The fact that Kevin had to really just get into not only what what Howard's saying, but an inanimate object. You know, it was it's such it's a difficult easy. thing to do. Yeah, no, yeah. And he just totally folded in. And Here's that footage, by the way, the B-roll footage that Sibo <laughs> and I shot while Josh was in the cave during Ramadan. Yeah, and take a look out for uh, somebody. Those, somebody actually those guys, cracking those the rock. Those guys were right? so. Um, so generous. This yeah, guy, were, right these there. guys were really generous. That's, that's the guy on the right. Yeah. He's the one whose leg gets busted up at the beginning of opening. Yeah, shot all of the, the all of the everyone in Africa in South Africa we shot with was unbelievable. It was really a professional and and uh, dedicated crew. 
It's like the nicest moment between Julie and Howard. No, no, I love how I love how little the stone looks in Kevin's hands. You know, when Howard was holding it, it was so massive. that he says, "Check this out. It's my favorite, my best loop. That's a, that is Todd Volpio's loop, who, as you saw in the hallway earlier, and he was so nervous about. It. He would have lent us so much jewelry, but that loop was what he was most nervous about lending us. And he right had to, once he lent it to us, he had to give it to us for a long time because that's Howard's loop, and it's got to stay with us the whole production. He did not like that. You have here um, Daniel's beautiful score coming back in here, which is inspired by uh, uh, the space base creation of Constance Demby, uh, which is an instrument she created to erupt your chakras. (laughs) Middle Earth shit is in the line that Ronnie, Mm. Ronnie, you were always like, you like that line, right, Josh? (laughs) And and it doesn't make any sense, but I... That's why I like it. Kevin didn't have any pictures of himself growing up, so we had to really go through a lot. For that moment, we actually had we we had the the buzzer and we didn't with the detonator, and we didn't tell anybody when it was going to happen. So we let the scene play. Everybody was talking, and we controlled when it was going to happen to keep it as a total surprise. So if you rewind it back, you'll see everybody's face when that happens. I always like looking at that. Yeah, this Here, is, here's the moment where Kevin becomes an actor. Yes, I, I agree. This frustration. It's not for sale. I can't do it. That, God damn it. I, I, it's set for auction. I, I can't. Why the fuck would you show me something if I couldn't have it then? And I remember, I, I remember talking to Kevin, and it's like <laughs> just the fact that like you have to be comfortable just showing that, even though it's fake, you know, you have to but really be comfortable right. letting it out. Yeah, Kevin's of course he's right. right. Yeah. Why would you show yeah, it? What's, the, bit, what's in, the point? But it kind of means more coming from an NBA yes. all-star. Yes, He's had everything. Of the idea is he's gotten everything it's he totally wants for 20 years. It's totally inappropriate. In a way, you would think if you didn't know how bizarrely emotional and you know, Howard is, you would think this is part of his selling tactics. Right. And, yeah. and to increase... <laughs> and to, yeah, I did. Yeah. I was convinced. <laughs> to increase the tension in this moment, we recorded, we went back and recorded a bunch of other people in the who are actually in the show to, to goad Kevin and goad Howard to really make it another... Howie Bling is his level. Instagram handle, which is... It's just perfect. Look at the phone here. Look at the phone here. Schwitzy. We actually had the... Actual uh, 2012 iOS here. Look at that shutter. <laughs> yeah, Apple. Apple hooked it up there. Give me, uh, give me the stuff. I want the right. Collateral. No, no, no. I know. This collateral makes sense. Yeah. What was anyone expecting? That's why Kevin. Kevin's the most dignified yeah. character in the movie. He respects that Howard wants that. Oh, that. So that Nick's ring that right there. So that's much. Yeah. yeah. That 73 Nick's ring. Tom Riker's. Uh, which is the one that would make its way to auction. Uh, it's it's just speaks to Howard. I believe Howard was probably in the building. I think that his dad got him into the building, and he just speaks to an illness, which is Nick's fandom. And also, it's just one of those examples of a very small little practical detail pointing to something almost unreachably psychological. Mm-hmm. There's a history there. Black Jewel Power. Uh, that's an improvised line from Lakeith, and he because he's current. He actually just wrapped. Uh, uh, the Fred Hampton movie so he was reading all about the Black Panthers in between days on this film and it's just such a nuanced beautiful deep improvised line to throw back in Howard's face uh, this concept of black Jew power does does everyone does anyone know that um, his son is supposed to be taking a shit right there (laughs) no one would know that Uh, yeah this this that's our 
he says Alberto, that's our dad right there in the red shirt, who used to work in the diamond district. Uh, there's love this. Should shot. we uh, should we yeah, expose the gold screw? Shots. Should we expose the the gold screw? Nah, it's a it's one <laughs> I'll of keep my, it that's set. one I'll of my favorite set. shots in the movie right there. <laughs> and these two are the best. But that cue too is really these, Ronnie. We got Ronnie Greenberg and Marshall Greenberg. So these guys are twins. Uh, I met them in the Diamond District. Uh, they were this scene was originally planned for a different casting decision, and I wanted Marshall right there uh, to play the part to be in the film more than anything. He reminded me of the uh, of Ronnie Dangerfield, uh, an inspiration on the film. I love Marshall and Ronnie right there. He um, actually went to film school with Darius, which is in, this. This I scene, mean, Marshall is incredible. The, they both have such impeccable timing. And, this was this scene for Sandler was the first time it was like I guess the second day of shooting and this is the first day he was going in and really acting opposite jewelers so he was super pumped up and nervous in a way to, to kind of be really show that he was Howard and that's where it was like I got very excited about the whole movie because he took it so personally and really wanted to perform and prove to them that he was a real person his voice. The, Let's make it. You quick. know what's. You know, you know what I wait. I would that, 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 that texture that line. of this movie comes from the faces and the the sound, the, the cadence of just, the voices just are so that, important. That that's let that Let's make it quick is so interesting because when we told Marshall, we said Marshall, you got to go fast. Twenty twelve. Right. We got to make this speech. You got to really go really like um like motor mouth that he goes. So when he internalized that, he said, all right, right before he gave it out, he goes, let's make it quick. This is such a great portrait of of a New York City block. We didn't shut it down. And just the people you see, like that guy right there, Ronnie likes to say, he's an aged punk. Uh, The lady who crosses the street. Oh, yeah. I tried to get, I tried to get, um, Ava and Cosmo into that, but Cosmo's not, not into it. Uh, this, this scene was, was very hard to shoot because, you don't shut the street down, and you have a car in. You have a camera inside the car. That's Eric um, on the opposite on the end of the sidewalk. Yeah, so every car is going oh, yeah, in yeah. front of us. You know, you literally miss it. We so missed it five times. Ninos, this guy right here. He there was a sequence that took place in the Rockaway Casino Resorts World, and he was going to have a much bigger part. Uh, that's Nino right here, the owner of the restaurant. Great. Story. We were so excited to find this location. Oh, so this is a. I love the chef. This this okay, is. I, I texted Ronnie and I said. We need something Just for a detail, a detail. To get us into the the back of the restaurant. So yeah, I stole that from Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the uh, carrots and the Caesar salad. Someone actually did that, Ronnie. Yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Put carrots in the Caesar salad. Yeah. This is like Mike on the radio. Right yeah, this now. is yeah. This is a portrait of Francesa's radio show. Right. Right. To me, right. this is the ultimate kind of purely expressive uh, gambler and bookie scene. Because, <laughs> you know, no one really does place his bets in a kitchen. Fell off a truck. But it's incredible. You know, we try to pack in as many jokes as we can I in also, this movie. I also and, love... and I internally battle with Ronnie and Benny and Sibo <laughs> about which jokes Fell can stay. I love that, that one gets laughed. <laughs> I, love, I also love that oh, we this cut to the cook. Yeah. That we cut to the cook is the best. This house, the woman who owns this house, was so protective of her Wi-Fi. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it before. Well, she, she also she was knew. Very, no, no, no. She understood she the also, technology. She's also she's in her 80s, and she would sit there and she would say, you're not going to get the password. She was like the, a troll. Who she knew. Because she, she said, if I give it to you, everybody's going to get it. And what's going to happen is I'm not going to be able to stream my movies. And I'm like, wow. All right. We 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 smart. didn't change too much in this house, but we added that massage chair because Howard 
Howard needs a massage chair. One thing that was a They're very, very science one, fiction. One thing that chairs. was very new on this production for us was you had to get permission for every single piece of artwork in the background. So what's incredible is the back. This was we shot this at noon. You know I, know. I mean, if you look at the outside there, look how beautifully lit that exterior is. Here's Adina. Yeah. Adina's from Syosset, which was very close to where this scene takes place. She, she said to us, "How many? How, what's the percentage of Long Island do you want?" <laughs> when she was coming up with the accent, hit that fucking shit. And I also love that she knows she knows what point it is in the game. Okay, let me I mean, this is just this is me understanding what people feel when I'm in this mode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean. And she surprised everybody with that yell. It was amazing. So that this bed here, this is obviously this house, the whole room was constructed on that stage on the on that in this house. That bed was something we were obsessing over. We wanted Howard believes that his kids can ascend through materialism, and uh, he wants the world for his family. And uh, if he can't personally give himself to them as much as he wants to anymore, he'll give them everything. Yeah, he no, can just get. that that shot shows how much he loves them. You know. He also, you know, my kid just would not adjust to bedtime, so I spend so much of my life laying on the carpet just like <laughs> oh, <it's>, that. <laughs> and it's something. It's a, such a strange feeling, you know, to be in a dark room with them. It's beautiful. That's Johnny Arambayev, who um, obviously his toy collection is like his gem collection. But Johnny, right there, is the son of a of a big bling jeweler named uh, Izzy Aviani. Uh, and here, that a lot though, right, is so complicated because he's he's romanticizing uh, the very thing that is uh, going to be. We, we did have a full-size uh, basketball hoop yeah. in our in our and room the, at, as kids with the chain-link fence. <laughs> What's that, Ronzo? Not just in that moment, you can just see the seeds of a, of a of a gambling addiction. Oh, for sure, come, you know. Yeah, I love that a lot, though. Right? Uh, <clears throat> oh wow! On the TV right there, it's a little bit of subtle foreshadowing. You know, there's an art to finding the right piece of background material that is. Do both pe- relevant but not too on the nose. Do people exactly. watch the director's commentary first or do they watch no, it after? I'm wondering. Watch it after. No do you think some I'm wondering. Some people probably do. It's a weird way to watch a movie, Benny. I'm wondering. Well, if you're doing that right now, there's something wrong with you. Stop yeah. and watch it normally. Next you'll be saying you want to wait until after the summer. Hmm. So this was a in as a from a writing standpoint. You know, you have these scenes where you, where you, uh, there's a Mohegan sun, another foreshadow. Um, but you have these, uh, oh, you're, you have these scenes in the movie that demand some sort of exposition, and uh, you try to figure out a way to, to embed it through character. Right. And, you know, you just, it's careful. You don't want to sort of hammer your exposition out through the characters' mouths. It's a, it's kind of a, a abuse of their being, and it's, a, it's a struggle. This was a. Uh, Something we discussed with Sandler a lot beforehand is figuring out the, yeah. the different types of winning. Because, what, yeah, everybody knows one way of winning, and we wanted to show a new well, way. This movie's a lot about yeah. coming. <laughs> but we wanted to show a new way of, like, what it is that he feels that's different than another person who wins a bit. I love this performance for Sandler. This is Ferris. On the voice, the yeah, cab driver. The cab driver, Ferris, he was in one of our short films. Everything okay? I just... This is how you, yeah, he plays uh, the uh, 
in Acquaintances of a Lonely Yeah, yeah, he's the, he's the, the Daddy guy. Longlegs as well. Oh, that's he is, right. yes, he's, he's the Daddy Longlegs. He plays the, uh, the boat driver. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, he, he owns the boat. Yes, you're right. <laughs> There's something very uh, nostalgic and emotional for me about the, um, the, uh, the, the, the pieces that the NBA broadcast use to go to commercial. Mm-hmm. They find these great narrative something that almost seems scripted they find these little these breaks and that right there seeing the passion of Kevin Garnett you can always lean on KG to give you a commercial break oh. uh, segue and this just this moment is something that really is only derived by using a real phone because yeah, you could co- totally control when he gets the call and when she answers but because we're connecting them in real time you have this interesting pause that's the created. tension it's yeah. a, a lace yeah. tension like yeah. she's not answering she's not home where is she yeah I got held up. Julius, voice, voice acting is really difficult, uh, and it's it it uh, it insinuates a sort of realism that you can't that that you can't put your finger on. Mm-hmm. It's it's there's a nuance to it, and she's she's so great here in this, which was obviously also recorded live. This frustration here, yeah. She's like, what? I can't wait to see you. I'm in an incredible. Mood. And I love that Howard gets into incredible moods. Howard <laughs> is a moody dude. I love Sandler. But also that that's something he gets to kind of gloat about in that moment. It's, yes. It's so this sweet. Is, this is, in the script, this is sort of the only room we have for sweetness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we came up with this idea to put him in the closet and do this sort of sex Pretty thing. late, yeah, right? Just, you know, um, nudity can be garish and blunt, and it's hard to communicate sweetness through it, and this was a way for us to get, get dirty without but, it, but at the same time, we're... Using a trope almost in movies where, where usually you insinuate something, some sort of dread. When yeah, someone's yeah. when she's talking, she's ta- saying nice things about Howard there. Yeah. In, in, into a surveillance position to discover something bad, right? And he doesn't, um, but it sort of plants a seed of expectation, and then that's, you know. Well, they both that have. That comes to fruition, certainly, the, pretty much the next time you see her. I love that they both uh, instinctually know to celebrate. With Smith and Walensky's. This is probably the quietest moment in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But of course, we had to. I saw riddle. somebody. Somebody said, "Like I love that." Somebody said to me, "I love that Howard has the the noise on his phone." It was it something that like actually that. I battled with because it's it doesn't make any sense because you would not want to but, call any attention. But there to is the a type of you, person who does have the volume always on on their phone. But if you were hiding in a closet, but it was a spur would, of the moment thing. No, no, no. It's, if Howard was hiding in the closet, he would turn his thing off. It's, it's on for expressive we also wanna, purposes. We also yes. want to show the texting and have that sound increase. Well, it's just like that sound of technology yeah. is such a it's important. is such a harsh, a hard grab at trying to make it real. Uh, you see phones now do these things where they have they where they vibrate a little bit mm-hmm. when you touch them. It's just some sort of way of which is of an making sound technology of uh, a, a physical thing. Actually, getting that sound of the the finger on the screen was specific. Yeah, we touch glass all the know, time. Think about weird how weird thing. that is. And I love this is actually a very funny thing that Sandler he just said it to um, to to Jackie, his wife. She always thought that this was shot on location, but Sandler's like, I was actually looking right at Benny when I was texting <laughs> this stuff. So she's like, Oh, I wish you had told me that. <laughs> I'm gonna come. <laughs> Julia was, that was, I think, the second take of her reacting like that, which is, again, not not easy to do, but 
I just love seeing those windows in the background, yeah. knowing that we're in a city. And it's so this touching. I find this to be really touching. And then you uh, remind so, everybody that we're all just these little narratives. And actually to find a building where we had access to the building is so many logistical things that we'll work our way into. Yeah, I know. And you know what I love about this? Howard fucked last night, and you can see it and feel it. He looks like a guy who had sex last night. A little glow. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, he has, like, maybe he woke up, they had sex again in the morning. He looks a little... He's feeling very... He lost three pounds. Look, look at that smile. I had sex last night. 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 Hey. And about Howard Ratner and his partner, which... This was a... We had a different location that was actually much more tied to the real Christie's. Uh, and uh, we had to change last second, but this was a very cool location because it has two entry points, north and south. And Haley, uh, who's playing the receptionist, for me, that's our own, my own personal nod to King of Comedy because she reminds me of Sandra Bernhardt. And obviously Rupert has the uh, great interactions with the receptionist that... <laughs> Howard's just screaming fucking him. That he's, he's 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 very nice and cordial when he's in front of her, but he thinks as soon as he walks away, okay. he can Mitchell do that. and Stewart here. So actually, that's Mitchell. Mitch actually yesterday someone asked us to sign something, and they, they asked. They said, "I'm so happy you put Mitch in the film. He would normally be here." I said, "Mitch would not normally." Mitch Mitchell right there is a big autograph collector. The the funny Paul thing, McCartney so, has broken his eardrum. Uh, Ron Stewart probably has nightmares about him. So Mitchell... That Mi- cast, he was like, you really want me to put the cast on? How'd I break it? I said, you come up with that, Mitchell. You figure out how you Mitchell it. Mitchell was in a short film of ours a long time ago, and when he came to do... Because we had to do a rehearsal. We had to put him on, on, on camera to prove that he could do it again. And when we had him there, he brought his brother to the audition, and he said, maybe my brother can get a job too? And we're like, of course. <laughs> Stewart, so Stewart actually... His brother recorded a full album of music for the movie. It's pretty good. With lyrics. With yeah. lyrics, yeah. And I song just, I love these two just because I, I love the hierarchy that it creates in yes. the movie. The scale, the relationship between a Mitchell and a and a. The two uh, types of heavies, yeah. yeah. You have yeah. Mitchell and his brother, and you have Keith and Tommy. Or, yeah, you know. You know, Lakeith does something really interesting before he got into the car where he squeezes the uh, his trap on his shoulder, which is... His way of letting him know how stressful this life is. I love Lakeith because he's so smooth, yet in control, yet also stressed out with his own problems. Also that he just doesn't turn the music down all the way while they're having this conversation. Then we'll go into practice. I mean, this is this was interesting because if you jump into Lakeith's character here and Damani's character, the, the Damani character, he's in a spot right now because when you handle big superstars. You don't, you don't know how far you want to push it. You don't know. You have a limited amount of asks because, uh, because the ego is such a hard thing to uh, manage, and uh, he uh, he doesn't know what he's going to do here. He's going to show up with a jeweler and tell him, "Give me this thing back." That means a lot to you. The scene we wrote on the way to the location, <laughs> yeah, on the way to Mohegan Sun, yeah, because Ra- Rajan Rondo was supposed to be in the scene and it centered around him, and he fell out last second. But this is one of the scenes I'm that's, most That's that's why proud Howard of. says I wish I I kind of hope Rondo's in there, you know. But I but the, but the New York the Jews in basketball thing is is a deep uh, 
it, it's it's it, you look up the relation, look up the history of Jews in basketball. There's articles and they're all fascinating. I'm not gonna get into it. Sick, sick. basketball city. <laughs> Love this place. There's certain there's certain phrases so only that just Howard, stick out. But just for a second, imagine you're a jeweler. Huh. You go to an NBA practice facility, and you run onto the court and take a layup. <laughs> I mean, that is Howard's sin, is he can't get out of his own way. He's so happy. His mood dictates everything in his life. And because he did that, he's now getting boned in the locker room. Well, because Damani's got no plan there. You know, Damani, what is he going to do? Damani was so yeah. grateful that Howard can't yeah. get out of his own way. What was he going to do with Raleem right there up? on the left, who he's talking to, she was the warden of uh, Manhattan Detention Center in Rikers Island for many, many years. We've put her in a handful of things. She's, she's a sweet woman. We met her during research for um, Good Time. That's right. She helped us a lot. Yeah. I love people pausing to see the other text that he sent. I call this the uh, the head turning scene. <laughs> Adina's so great in this, and I just love this. You know, I grew up on the North Shore of Long Island, and in this exact culture, and <laughs> setting, just the way Jews talk about vacations, the way other people <laughs> talk about the weather, yeah. and it's such a status symbol. You know, like where'd you go? Oh. Wow. And and in particular, Karen, who's playing the uh, other mother there, uh, who's, who's um, you'll see her husband, Aaron, who is, we grew up with yes, him. Yes, he's one of the... He, uh, he actually scaled a four-story building when he forgot his passport and broke our win- broke and the window. He's and he's in Daddy in. Long Legs, too. He's, in da- he's great in Daddy Long Legs. No music. I'm allergic to music. Uh, <laughs> but um, just the, that couple right there, you know, it's... You can give... Setting is something oh, that often people... Uh, think is tied to shots of landmarks and locations, but I believe setting is tied to and, uh, characters and people, and they are uh, they they tell you where you are. And there's the some right there's now. something that that Aaron does in this scene, which is so amazing. They're having this whole conversation, and then he realizes that Howard has just started paying attention, and he gives him that little two word summary: no vacation. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's on the, the trapeze is the yeah. line that yeah. yes. <laughs> that sticks out. I mean, she was on trapeze. Yeah, the, and, and Karen's line, which she says, the morons in Cancun being prideful oh, to be a... So, because who so, doesn't want to be a moron But it's on not even that. She's just so centered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She is so centered. I know I wish her, I could be that. Like that that's her... Like, hey, yeah, I guess that's what we'll do. What we'll do. So this sequence, obviously, is a... Um, Big narrative turn because it's, everything is technically going right except for the hiccup with the opal. Uh, he hit his big bet, and uh, you know this is—it's pretty scary to see people show up at your kids' play. And Tommy actually couldn't couldn't run; he had hurt his legs, so we had to we had to find another so heavy, which was actually interesting because it's that kind of stuff that makes you add to the interesting things to so the script and the movie. Louis uh, on the right. You'll see Louis on the right. We wanted to put him in good time, but he uh, had to go away for a little bit and couldn't. Uh, and the bite. Remember, he's like, "You can actually bite me." Let's oh, put some padding. Oh, he really? And saying he got, they're it hurt. I love even though Howard is running here. I think of this as one of his tougher, more courageous moments. And oh yeah, he's, he's he stood up to them. He of pushed them. He did. That yeah. was important and those for guys Sandler. Are scary. Sandler wanted that. He's like, I don't want to just get pushed around all the time. I mean, that's embarrassing. And this, when Bogosian saw this, you'll see Eric, he plays Arno, when he saw Howard run out and do all of these stunts in loafers, you know, on wet grass, he's just like, this is dedication right here. Embracing slow motion here is nice. It's a moment that you feel in real life, but you don't actually... 
and that and that that his gesture with the hand turn it around without being able to hear him. You just, know, these are things that you seeing a menacing person muted is is scarier. Well, those are things that you'll see in real life, and it's like, how do you actually translate that? I remember the crew was kind of all looking at us because this was a big crew, and, and and they were like, this is our first like action sequence. Yeah, and we, and they were and we wondering, did it one take. We got like, it all down, all because we. Didn't I think really... they were all secretly being like, let's see how they. Oh yeah, let's it. see how this works. Like the blocking was really open, and they were trying to figure it out. It's like they, when it happened in the first take, everybody was like, oh wow, that's pretty special. We broke this up. Uh, I think a week and a half between that scene and this scene. We struggled a lot with the writing of this scene. Yeah, it was. It had a lot of different iterations. The SUV. The uh, when we arrived on Arno sitting in the front seat, that was big, big for us. Also, the fact the that fucking you bit me is is big too because it ins- it's the only, one of the first lines that insinuates that a Arno isn't Jewish and b that there's this, a whole perception of Jews out there. <laughs> this is one of Arno's caps. You know, that was another thing. That that's kind of in humanizes the backstory, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this so the gentleman in the back, Tommy, Keith, and Louie, This is their first film, all of them, and uh, we wanted. This obviously is a scene with a lot of exposition in it as well, and which is uh, Eric, why it was a struggle to write. Yeah. yeah, and Eric, Eric, when we were shooting this scene, you know, because we encouraged Keith, Tommy, and Louie to to uh, <laughs> to improvise chaos in between their lines, and it created a kind of cacophony of noise that Eric had a hard time finding his way in for his own lines, which were very, very important for the movie and for him. So early on, Timberlake, uh, early on, uh, one of the early takes, Eric smashed the dashboard and said, I don't know about any of you, but I got lines I fucking got to say, so you got to give me my room. And I had to go and talk to Eric and talk to, explain to him that his character is a lot about posturing. He's in a situation that he doesn't really control, and this is the first hint at that. And uh, if he can't get a line in, he should assert himself and feel free to lo- add improvised lines like if shut the fuck up uh, to let him everyone know who's in charge. And that's also that's literally it's, it's for an editing per- point of view, too. You know, you need him to get everybody to be quiet to say those lines. And it's funny because if you look at uh, Louie in the corner, his cue to punch Howard was so specific He's literally sitting there waiting to hear one word. <laughs> and that's why you see it kind of makes him laser focus on Howard. I like to think in this scene, Tommy was using Howard as a human stress ball. <laughs> yeah, S- Sandler was covered in bruises after this scene. Because yeah, look, they are manhandling so, him. And that right. and look, he's actually getting he is actually getting choked right here. Right. Mm-hmm. That's actually Sandler not Sandler being trying able to, to pull the arms off and they were didn't know that that was act that but, was real. But there was a stunt coordinator was in the front looking back, and he called it off right after that. But man, yeah, that's why this. And this scene was total scene. total chaos. Josh and I are in the trunk. I pissed my pants here it's, actually. Right now, I released one second of urine because look at like, watch this right here. Sandler just gets demolished. He gets covered by people, and God, it was so physical. This is a stressful day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but everyone was so. Eric is so great. And that so these, these, the, fear in the look face, in yeah. his eyes in this whole scene was so important <laughs> because just, he doesn't know. He, is this where he wanted this to it's go? It's just the idea of a guy who's make who's high, who's making decisions that he knows he has to make, but not knowing <laughs> the reality of it, how it's going to play out. And <laughs> Scott Rudin wanted us to take that line out. We kept it in, but I think he liked it in the end. <laughs> 
fuck you Louis, Louis adds so much to this movie. His face. I have to pee. <laughs> like, we we're going to pause it for a second? Or do you want to keep going? Pause, pause it. Pause it. Okay. Take a break. Really have to go that Why are you fucking... <laughs> oh. Come on, guys. Don't look. Stop, Josh. <laughs> I'm not looking. He's just making a sound. He's not looking. <laughs> Benny, can you finish? Benny. We're going to okay, keep going, I'm right? I'm good, I'm good. Right. Love this running style. Yeah, it's, we talked about this with yes. Adina. We, we, with the heels, she says, how much do you want the heels to impede yeah, my running? I call it against nature. <laughs> Yeah, we in the script okay. screenwriting phase of this, we okay. went back and forth. Uh, about, I was very insistent. No dialogue. Yeah, we went back nothing. and forth what, what about could she a say? huge interaction here and or a completely quiet. And uh, we thought that Adina's character, it says so much more that she has nothing to say here <laughs> than she clocks it. I mean, <laughs> like, which just so shows you that this is actually not the worst that she's seen of <laughs> Howard before. What could you possibly be looking for in the forest? Dresses oh boy! Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, all through the production, we were, you know, we uh, we could not afford an actual sort of uh, known play like a, we were going to do the Adams Family musical at one point. So then, um, it, you know, while these guys were shooting, it sort of fell on me to look at public domain properties, and I ended up reading 300 pages worth of grim fairy tales, <laughs> and then just cobbling one together. At the same time, um, you know, I'd been working on this book with Robert Crumb, the cartoonist, and he had lent me this book about the history of um, anti-Semitism. So I was deeply entrenched in reading about um, Jews in the Middle Ages in Europe and, and the genesis of this idea of uh, the gold obsession in Jews. So here we go. We land on this, I guess, very, you know, trenchant image of, um, of of a man looking at his daughter puking out gold coins. <laughs> and it's supposed and to yet be a he's gift. Bl- and, and, <laughs> and he loves it. It cuts straight through all the tensions in his life. I mean, yeah. it, it hits it him. It hits him. Yeah. It's a deep moment. Something very nice is about seeing Howard sh- have, have showered in his home. Look at that muscle. call you pick up when you know it's me you don't. What was that all about? This uh, location... We, we love locations with mirrors. Our production mi- team does not um, because it makes it very difficult to hey, shoot in. The challenges make it better. But then this, when we saw this closet on location, it was a, a it was a eye opening. I love cedar closets. I love the smell of cedar yeah. closets. And and the sound quality of this place was amazing. Yeah, we actually cut out Sandler's uh, in the in the character development. I. I went to um, Barney's and I talked. I went to the cologne department, and I asked them. I told them I was buying a cologne for my uncle, and uh, they said, "Well, what's he like?" And it was a great exercise for me. I had to kind of describe Howard, the garishness. I said, "He's the type of guy. If he was in this room right now, you would certainly know that." And uh, and they started to give me, uh, show me a lot of sense. And um, we ended up picking one, and and we cut it from the scene. But he is applying tons of. Cologne. The, the, the thing I love about that previous scene is that amidst all the tensions uh, in his life and the text, there's a portion of real estate in his brain that is just trying to determine what shirt he's going to wear. So the barbecue chicken line uh, is, is actually uh, 
some interesting history to it. <laughs> yeah, we had, we'd reached a, 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 some, a sort of roadblock in terms of getting the project greenlit and properly budgeted. And so we went into a meeting with, um, with Eli Bush and Scott Rudin, and there was a lot of tension. I would say it was the only real meeting that was, you know... Laced with tension. Laced yeah. with dread and tension. And Josh decided to cut the tension <laughs> by saying, oh, is that barbecue chicken? Yeah. And, uh, and the response he got was, it's just chicken. So, yeah, <laughs> we put that in the script. Yeah, small talk sometimes is so naked and ugly. And the trunk scenario, it's, it's nice to see Howard actually try to confront his problems with his foot. Uh, Noah here, she was, uh, she was fantastic. And the, the audition process for that character was, was a funny one. The script that we gave all the actresses was um, to perform the school play for a uh, school casting director. And... Uh, and they were supposed to be this cool casting director was supposed to cut them off, played by our real casting director Jennifer Vendetti, and they were supposed to be uncomfortable about that and leave the room and then come back into the room and ask if they could charge their if anyone had a charger because they weren't <laughs> expecting to be so short and it's a very nuanced, tough thing to pull off. And Noah did it so her performance was was so embarrassed uh, and so realistic that yeah, the- it, it played like it, I can't imagine what someone. If they were watching just the the audition process, if they thought there was some sort of mistake. Well, the whole point is, yeah, you see them performing, and then you see them when they're not when they're literally not acting. She plays a Jap very, very well. And just to add, this scene didn't exist until we did a table read with Adam, and he really felt like it was missing. There wasn't a moment of confrontation between him and his daughter, and and uh, I think it's a testament just to the faith we all have in one another. Because really, on the page, it's hard to see that scene. Nothing is set. Nothing is set. Yeah, Adam was always uh, keen well, to, yeah, he, to point out the things that the script needed. If, he's also from very, his eyes. he was very aware of what an, what an audience would need for Howard, you know. Uh, shooting the, at One Oak, obviously oh with all these extras and uh, sparklers and... Oddly enough, you, you know, need we, the fire department for sparklers. Yeah, yeah I know, there's a crazy. lot of... But there is a, uh, there was a... The scenes that we wrote originally were longer and very ambitious for a two-day shoot in a nightclub. And uh, we did a couple of we versions. We did the first part of the first day, and we realized we were never going to make our day. We didn't have enough extras that we actually needed to properly pull it off. And then in lunch, and during lunch, we rewrote the scene. And then yeah. re- and rewrote and, re- and re- re-scripted everything. We and shot listed. We shot and everyone re- came back from lunch and we were everything. handing out new script pages and I think new script, new shot and, and it, uh, schedule for yeah. that time. And uh, I think that was when the, the crew really felt um, I think like, it was inspiring. Because they were like, oh, you can do that. Because yeah. normally it feels so cemented Able, in place. The uh, weekend here had a lot of fun tapping back into his 2012 self, his 2012 self. And this was, a, this was, everybody was so excited because they got so many f- Live performances by uh, the uh, Abel here. orange sweatshirt here. We changed. It was a audible in the wardrobe. Changed Trinidad James. Another great 2012 reference. Uh, but the but when we an extra had that sweatshirt on. We switched it. And when they came in, there was some weird makeup thing happening with Sandler in the black light. And we saw what the orange sweatshirt was doing on this extra. It was a, like a light bulb illuminating anyone who went near it, and it was fantastic. So we ended up swapping it on to Lakeith. And it just has a very uh, 
uh, incredible I love, I love Lakeith's attitude here. Right, and to be clear, the something about that orange glow covered up and masked the makeup issues we were having. Yeah. The, Lakeith's attitude here is just so entitled. I love it. Just like he could show up and have a good time. And what is Howard doing interrupting him? But, Dar- Darius spent a day pre-lighting this black light. Which is incredible to think that the weekend in 2012 would demand the club to do this as well. Because that was really him. He was a punk back then. And he was. He also performed this track many, many, many times live. Our cousins are back there. Moment right here where you let them when you look back. We still fighting? Yeah, we're still fighting. There was something so <laughs> incredible about when you were editing this that it totally lined up with the song. You yeah. know, it was total kismet. It was beautiful. Temporally. Yeah, yeah, the song length was exactly as long as it this was. This is a nice moment here where he's seen yeah, his, we had his, no girl, yeah. his, yeah. his girlfriend. Yeah, we had his girlfriend. His girlfriend here is. This is what it's like to see true, innate greatness. A person who can just open their mouth and sing like this versus having to move the world around to get greatness. The scene was longer in, in the script, it was definitely more uh, provocative. <laughs> Uh, Abel was pushing us to use it. It went, it went farther. But uh, Julia here, it's funny. I, when we were, we showed the film down in Atlanta, and uh, after the screening, I uh, saw a bunch of people hanging out in a parking lot, talking about the film casually. And I was like, you know, I'm very curious. I'm gonna go uh, listen to what they're saying. And they were, they were having a debate about the morality of that scene or, or the personal morality is that what if they would condone their girlfriend doing what Julia does in the bathroom there with The weekend, and half the group was saying she was doing it for the cause she was doing it for Howie she was doing it for the business and then the other half were like once she touches the dick it's game's, game's over like there's no more there's no more discussion and uh and I joined in, and they're like, well, who are you? And I was like, well, I was one of the writers and directors of this movie. And then they, they loved it, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a, just cool to see people anonymously talking about the movie and, and taking, a, taking a side there. That's flawless, yes, right? Greg, Greg Yuna, who's a jeweler who was very receptive to us early on in our research going back to 2011, uh, taking us in when he used to go by Mr. Flawless. It was, he was, it, it took him a little bit, he was, because he, it was, he was so... To be in this was a lot because everybody's talking. Is all this? But he's he, been at One Oak but many, really, many times, so this was an easy, I think. And this little look he gives right here. But to so go special. back to the bathroom, that the ambiguity is what it was the key into that for us, yes. right? You needed to fall 50-50 on it. <laughs> and then again, Sandler not stepping down. <laughs> and this, yeah, both of them, no stuntmen, right there. What did, what did Abel say? He's like, oh, me and Bob Barker have something in common. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Except I don't know who the winner is here of this fight. No, it's a terrible fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, a right. terrible I think fight. it's a great fight. It's realistic. Yeah, but I'm yes. saying... Club fights are messy. Happens, You're right. slipping on a wet floor. It's messy. It's short. Ronnie, we've, we've been in so many club fights together. I don't know. The winner isn't <laughs> how, Howard. Howard is not the winner there. I guess he did, he did stand up for uh, himself. 
but he gets dragged out. I love this here. He Howard knows every line. DJ yeah. in this town. <laughs> that's such a Howard. That's actually like a quiet reference to Al Goldstein here, who would say something like that. Fuck all you. I know every DJ in this town. Fuck all you losers. The uh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, everyone's complicit. Everyone on that line. Yeah. Just for looking. Yeah. <laughs> this was uh, lighting the street and shooting this. We The first take we did, we put the camera pretty far away, about a block away, and shot it with long lens. Oh, boy. we were on. One of those scenes we were so apprehensive going into because it demanded so much performance-wise, and it was, in a way, so easy because they oh, were Julia so on point. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's the type so of thing that you really don't know if it's going to work until they're there doing it. I mean, we've I've been in this situation before. But, this, the, the dramatic... I mean, everybody's been in this yeah. situation. But they, they both get in it so deeply that they were just kind of... That's what's great about living in a, in a city is your uh, private interactions are really your own. And, oh. Until someone points them out, points out that they're not your own. Yeah. <laughs> you're just, you're just the, the 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 attraction of the moment. And actually, you can see right there on the left of the frame. Because uh, we did this was wide open too. Uh, There's a this guy, guy on a bike right here. Yeah. That guy is a real guy, just trying to mind his own business, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to ignore the drama in front of him. Uh, Julia wanted to walk back intuitively. Um, and, yeah, uh, we just rolled with it, you know? Yeah, we couldn't ignore it. Did this line that we had. She's incredible here. Her little smile right there is, kills me because it says so much about her character. Just keep going. And the score here, uh, Daniel's reinterpretation of a Haydn Symphony number 88, which at one point was in the uh, temp track. She's so this, she's so special. This is the moment when you when you fall in love with Julia, character here. <laughs> and uh, this walk that Sandler we developed with him is important. I mean, just look at that. You can see his entire night on him. And he's still looking and, at the phone. And he he said, we said you have the phone out, uh, just as a distraction. You have no interest in it. It's just there to let you know that there's other stuff to pay attention to. But Sandler's to at all thinking times. about everything. You know, he the little limp that Howard has here. You know, he's thinking. He's always aware of these little um, idiosyncrasies of his character. Back to his spaceship, which is why, which is what I referred to, this office. At, and at this point, Howard's got nowhere to go. There's something about offices at night that, uh, you know, they they do have a uh, um, uh, kind of a tangential reality. Our, like our little, little things like that, you're in the you're the in the ball you're at the, the right. worst point, right? And you still plug your phone into your computer. Right? I remember Before you go to bed. I remember having to sleep in our office during some rough romantic times, <laughs> uh, and I used to keep a pillow in a filing cabinet. And seeing it through uh, the window here is it's added lonely effect. Which we actually did in Daddy Long Legs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> First time we did that. I love the basketballs on his sofa. Destroyed that Rolex for this scene. <laughs> uh, you can hear Tilda Swinton's little audio cameo. Turn that down. Let me explain something to you, Mr. Rapper. Your opal is one of 75 items I have to open. Uh, uh, all of them listen, are yours. I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing some appraisal. I remember this scene with uh, Sandler. We we kind of would just roll through all of these phone calls that were happening, and he had to be on point with each different person. He's this way. He's this way with Anne. He's this way with somebody who he's trying to get information from. And then he's this way with Julia. Well, have you ever? I'm sure if anyone has ever seen a documentary or a period movie where you see a telephone operator who has to plug in all the mm-hmm. patches, uh, that is Howard's life uh, emotionally and and uh, thematically, and and this is really the closest you get to. The life of Howard, man. And just really, to he's not sure if he wants with... to emotionally invest right now. Fuck it. <laughs> speakerphone. She gets the speakerphone so that he can relax while he's getting on that phone. Well, he's got to perform. Yeah. No. The scene was inspired by a uh, uh, Nick Broomfield documentary, uh, which was a character in the film named Yvonne Naj, who is a. Uh, kind of a nefarious <laughs> producer in Hollywood, also involved in some sort of uh, escort service. <laughs> and uh, But there's a great, great scene towards the end where Yvonne wants right. to prove to Nick Broomfield that he and Heidi Fleischer, everything's fine between them, so he calls her on speaker. Right. And, and there's just this very oleaginous, kind of unctuous, you know, sarcasm... <laughs> That's just barely masking the hostility. It, and what's up, is, cutie? I, it's yeah, incredible that the, the character lives as such a pastiche. Yeah. That's an influence, and Todd is an influence. And, and the, Goldstein and, and, and Goldstein and Howard Ratt. I mean, so many people. This is but Natasha he, he Leone here, together. It's one guy. Natasha's great here. Again, it's... <laughs> she doesn't and give again, a fuck having, about having these... Having these security cameras be alive and real, you know, say, what it does. I'll say this sequence right here is kind of a paradigm example of the kind of pathological approach that we take to screenwriting, where really, I mean, you know, the, the purpose of a scene like this, if you look at it structurally, if you look at the script like a 2D blueprint, is to really introduce into the audience's mind that somebody can get trapped inside this vestibule. So we're setting up a kind of Rube Goldberg, you know, mechanics that certainly come into play in the in the climax of the film, and you know we're we're just so afraid of narrative exposition in a sense and exposing it. We think it kind of smells bad, so we're just constantly trying to cover up those things with so many details and so much chaos, so that you don't you don't perceive its purpose. And luckily, we have a world that warrants uh, I, the chaos. And- I, I remember when we were watching this, and I, after like editing it, it was like, is it okay to have a moment this stressful for no reason, really? You know, just out of nowhere, it just throws itself on Howard. And, yeah, to shoot this was so crazy. There's, that Literally, the sh- we had our shot list. It was something like 65 shots. And our solution was, oh, we'll do it in one. Right. And we did. You know, and we ended up, of course, cutting. Of course, it. yeah. Then it's like, okay, let's get all the stuff to make it take it to another level. But it does connect all the spaces in but, an interesting. But all level. that tension and anxiety embedded in the scene, you know, there's a cathexis that happens when that chisel falls down onto the floor. You put so you much. You know, forty five minutes later, we were like, oh, okay. This is also the point. Just in making this, or maybe it was the first time in the edit. I don't know. I, it, 
the whole movie, the cacophony of this scene became music to me. Mm-hmm. And it started to... Yeah, there's well, buzzes. I, I, there's so many sounds that are going on. I remember after we finished the scene, Darius is like, okay, so we got it. We did it in one take. I said, oh, no, no, no. We, <laughs> just, have, and we, have, we have 40 inserts you know, that we want to do. And there's something... There's, there's also, some, wait, wait, look, I wanted to say, there's something about cutting to Howard behind the glass, back and forth, and it feels like it's totally just this is how it happened, you know? How can you possibly cut to Howard behind the glass without seeing a camera? And there's something subconsciously that that does to a viewer. The um, Sean in the background and the bodyguard, it was very important to me to uh, identify or not identify, define his character in a very succinct way. And I just thought, you know, giving him one line, I'm claustrophobic, does so much because you really feel... Yeah, he was actually. Really, he, he, really he was, feel him. We told him. We told him that he was afraid of being in that space. He said, you're he claustro- said that. I said, you're yeah, but then he said it. He yeah. said it in the. <laughs> he said it there, which was really funny. Just love how tall Kevin is. All, all these shots, kind of. We did design the showroom to be smaller at this moment, at this part in the middle, for to extent, make it more exaggerated. Yeah, we. The height of the showroom yeah. was defined by Kevin's height. I love seeing basketball players duck to enter spaces. <laughs> shot right here of Damani was very important. Uh, it's where it's with you. Every once in a while, the movie will take the point of view of another character. I love the that tag, Kevin says that. Be better than this, Howard. The tag on Howard's shirt was was also a funny decision with Miyako Belici, our costume designer. That his life is so chaotic that he doesn't. He just grabs a, a, a shirt that he bought off those bootleggers, those boosters, just threw it on, without checking to see if the tag is still on. And this this was a moment where well, this was hard to get at on that the line set. right there. You know, we really had to get them. We had to take it to another level with them. We had to like blow it up and just get them excited. That that line there, it's a fucking rock dummy. Is such a sobering moment because it reminds you that. It's just matter. And yeah, this, I just remember, it's like, this is, you just kind of have to throw it to the wind and say, like, this will work later, you know, when it all gets back into the edit. Their performances are so alive. I love the desperation on Damani's character. The boxes are mad expensive. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's kind of a sadness there. Ronnie's voice cameo here. Yeah, these guys (laughs) wanted me to act, to play the doctor in the the opening as well, but I, I knew I couldn't carry that weight. (laughs) <laughs> but I love you in this scene. Oh, it's, it's just She's in colon cancer. <laughs> it's just routine. I'm telling you, man, this one meeting I had with, with uh, <laughs> after this colonoscopy, just uh, <clears throat> it's very, very informative. You said it's good? Yeah, you said you're all Oh, good, good, thank you. I love when I showed Dad the movie for the first time, Benny. He, he was leaning forward to hear the dialogue as before we mixed yeah. the film. To hear if the colonoscopy yeah. is clean, uh, it was very it's important. The only good point. news he gets, yeah. but it doesn't matter. You know, God's, you know, is giving him a, a pass. He, he doesn't care. You know, here I was. I'd been watching the Ten Commandments with my daughter one Passover, and you know that moment where the Euphrates turns to blood, and yeah, sure enough. But to, go, to, and yet, what's funny is and that, that was the, so the ASPCA was not allowing that. us to turn it red. Mm-hmm. It had to be blue. It, well, because the, the red would stress the fish out. And when we finally got them to do the red, they said you can only have the fish in there for 15 minutes. And, of course, the, the way we shoot the scene, you might not even see the the, the, the Gatorade go in, you know, and make that happen. You just got to trust that it'll all work out. This scene here is a uh, 
an embarrassing moment. <laughs> it stems from an embarrassing moment in my life. It's just the idea that it's the smoothie is such a it's such a loud detail, and it's it's true. If you're in the middle of it, just speaks to the lightness of which she's taking this drama. You only get a smoothie if you're in a good mood. It, it, you you also, no one gets a you smoothie, don't get a if, smoothie you're if you're rushing well, somewhere. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it takes time to make. Yeah, but you, beyond that, yeah. a smoothie is a good mood it. drink. You know what I mean? I agree. <laughs> but it is, it is a representation of a certain amount of time that you had to wait for that thing to happen. Of course, we call the, the Q smoothie here, too. I love being These elevators. Elevator. You're trapped with someone. Yeah. That um, carrying case... Um, when I first saw them in the Diamond District, they're, they're, they were invented for dental den, dental uh, uh, instruments. It or, was or Evan, Evan Yerman, remember? He had yeah. he showed us a bunch of stuff. Yeah, for a while we were there trying we to go. There's Ratso. Great line from Sandler that he improvised. He abandoned our own line. That's the great... That's the reason why you cast a comedian. And, like, all of these... All of these um, passing dialogue lines that you're getting we really go back to the district and just record people on the street getting all of that the electric satyr and we had two different locations in mind for this and it was it's such a character trait to choose the right one you know to be in this kind of glass electric place is a is a totally different place than the other one we had in mind but it dictates who the character is and then you go back and Oh, by the Remake way, right it alive here, again. when he clicks on this and it sent that right there, cannot verify any of the details. There was the next thing that popped up was update, update your service, you update your program, and our prop department were freaking out because if we updated, we would have lost the iOS there. But we didn't stop it. We let him go. <laughs> in, in the writing here, this is such an uh, obviously it's a big uh, turn in the film when you when you realize how close. He is with this man and the and the predicament that they're in. Uh, but even that, just to like, when do you show Arno? Was a really big discussion that in we the were edit, having. Yeah, in the edit, mm-hmm. Judd has such a uh, uh, paternal, paternal, paternal vibe. So it was it was great to. I mean, he might as well. This might as well be King of the Gypsies. I remember there was there was somebody. Uh, I saw this somewhere. The dipping of the celery is a very specific. Thing and somebody like that's not a tradition, and then somebody else yelled. There was a whole conversation really? in the theater about who, which type of Jew has the celery dip. It's ridiculous. I mean, Pete, there is an argument that the that the um, the drops of wine that represent blood on the plate is Mordecai, who worked on our film, uh, who comes from a Hasidic community. That was he, my son Murray's cry right there. He. Uh, <laughs> He told us that that was a somehow a Manischewitz PR manipulation wow. of the holiday. But then it's not. I don't think that's true. I looked it up. It's not true. But coming from Mordecai, it made sense. So it's funny here. So in the script, we wrote that, you know, also a la the smoothie to prove to show how fleeting this argument really is. He's checking his weight here but the funny thing is with Sandler in the middle of the scene we had a real scale there he had this monologue and he stood on the scale and he hadn't stood on a scale in a while and the second he stood on that scale and he saw that he was over 200 it threw him off and had a long pause in the take I love Howard stands up for himself all the time like this 
Oh, you like you <laughs> love this roster? Baron, I love it. But ba Baron Davis is done. There's piles. I talked with set decorator. I said, I said, Gooey, Judd's character, he's a pile guy. His business is, is all in paper and it's all over the place. And you learn so much seeing these guy. locations. You know, what, the, what, what the, the person's like who actually lives there. I love this. You know what he says to me? Hmm? He comes over and he says, uh, Happy holidays. It's like it's Christmas. It's like having an intruder in your own home. But Sandler, that Ratner sticks up for Arno in this moment. Yeah. He's, he can see everybody's point of view. I love it. There's some real deep cut Nick's talk going on in the oh, background yeah. that is truly those two are um, Arno's got the cigarette. mega fans. Yeah, Arno's got the cigarette. Yeah, Nick fandom is is a is a sickness. It's a disease. It's yeah. a disease, and uh, this scene is uh, littered with Easter eggs <laughs> to that. It's tough to find, uh, you know, in the writing of the of the movie is one thing, but then when you actually have to. Uh, implement this concept of using real games uh, uh, within your fictional world. Uh, having Kevin perf perf have a great game followed by a bad game, ending with a great game is uh, not easy. Uh, and we were lucky to st uh, to to find the series against the Sixers in 2012, where he had a bad game without that we could without the Opal. When you look in 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 context, KG looks. Like he doesn't have the opal right there. I mean, it looks like he's acting for the movie. I know. I love the idea. With with Eric here, it was amazing because he he didn't have any lines, you know. So he really had to use his eyes in this scene, and that was. Uh, I remember he was excited about that. Love that line. Rich is rich. Rich is rich. That's. I can't believe that we're the first film to include the Afi Coleman that I know of, at least. Uh, he, I love that Howard told his son where the Afi Coleman was. It's also so weird because it is just such a thing that always happens in your life. But what's you interesting can't imagine is, is that it wasn't seen people before. who don't know what Afi Coleman is. What is that? I know. No one well, knows that's what, what I'm saying. It's so weird to me that that people don't know what that is. Even and I, and I and sometimes I wonder if we should have shown. The prize of finding the Afi Coleman. No, because I think it's that's this, like synonymous with we, an Easter egg. Hunt. We should have, but enough, we it I wouldn't. There so. wouldn't have been room in the edit for it. Oh, so yeah, this is um, every every Passover. My mother would um, put on her bat mitzvah dress. That's that's true. It's a true <laughs> part to of prove to everyone she can I still fit in. It. I love yes. that you didn't tell her until she saw the film. That's right. You didn't. What did she say, Ronnie? That's what Lots she said. Things. She said, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, this scene is very, very, very special to me. A lot yeah. of care was put into both the writing and the, and the yeah. cutting. And it's something like this from you know editing standpoint. It's just so in my wheelhouse. It's just like a little two people in a quiet space. And it's you know like an existential medieval duel. Mm -hmm. I, I love and having I, control of the rhythm. And of, I loved uh, placing that painting behind behind her. The back, the naked back turned to him. She's so amazing. Yeah. She's so amazing in the scene. It was just, this is the scene that we, um, you kind of uh, earmark uh, in the schedule, and you kind of look at it as the performers do and the crew does. Kind of like the fight is, outside. Because you know? it is a, it has so much meaning, and you know that it will be such a uh, uh, a landmark for the audience as well. Uh, so you. You you talk. That's probably the scene I talked to Dina about the most. Uh, and a lot of personal things that we both discussed 
to get her here. And first take, she just really wowed the entire crew. In this moment where he where he says, look in my face, and you see his dopey face, this is a great example of of one of the great benefits of working with a star and, and work, someone who's accumulated so many years of good faith or a deep relationship with an audience over decades. And their relationship with his face. With yeah. his face, yeah. and, and you get to take that energy and use it. Turn it back and work into the movie. This scene is probably the scene we personally all quote the most to each other. Sam, there's there's something there's something again. so confident but also vulnerable about his performance. Say yes, what? I Say yes, that. what? Is it's just it's like trying to p- telegraph to her what? She, it's unbelievable. It's because you're mad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can punch me if you want. I love that in Howard's mind, he thinks that the way to deal with goes for it. Nadina goes for it there. This is the tidal wave of Yenta right there. Just this roiling mass of Jewish women. (laughs) (laughs) And then Sahar right there. I hate the fact that she can't fit into hers. It's real sisterly right there. And Nadina's excuse is is really awesome. And this, uh, you know, you can't make a Long Island Jewish movie without including... Billy Joel. Actually, 106.7 right there is a reference to Daniel Lopatin's musical act name, 106.never, which can't derive from 106.7 in Boston. 101.7 or something like that. Why are you taking Lex? Just, yeah, developing the whole vibe in this car post, post-Seder. She wants her really, house. Um, she can special. have it. It's right there. And just the ways of which you leave the city. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it speaks. I mean, with our dad, he always wanted to take the 59th Street Bridge because it's free. <laughs> you, you're a tri, you're a triborough guy. Yeah, I you're love all the triborough, especially when you were living in Harlem. Yeah, it's like the, the tunnel. Tri- <laughs> but the stranger was um, ended up being a very inspired. Choice. I remember with Darius here, we said, "Okay, we're going to set up the dolly all the way down the street, and we're going to do it on the 425 millimeter zoom." And he looked at us like we were insane, but he was so excited. Uh, Ralph? R- Ralph is amazing. He's a big um, horse better. Yeah. And uh, we, we we actually saw him on uh, New York Nico's. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He's great. He he just adds so much. Just <laughs> Mr. Ratner. I love it. I actually thought it was a, I was like I thought it was a continuity error that he was back there, but he actually ran so fast. I know. He wants to do his job so well. I love shooting in this hallway. Uh <laughs> So John Amos, uh, he asked me, uh, he's like, so talk to me about the scene. Tell me about my character. I said, well, this is the first actual interaction that you get to have with a person who's been just a nuisance to you for 12 years. His, the sounds that come out of the apartment. And uh, I said, he said, so I hate this man. I said, yeah. So his first take, he interpreted that direction as to be very, very sad. And he did a take that was, remember how sad he was? Yeah. Very long pause. But the beautiful part here is that the son says, what a fucking dick. But Howard, he won't let that live. He says, nah, stop it. He's a legend, which the, is the beauty of Howard. There's something just in that little moment, just trying to imagine the life. Trying to imagine the sometimes. life that's going on behind these doors. It's actually me with him. This guy, this guy um, Connor Coyne, is an incredible prank caller. Uh, incredible. I, I, he's very but again, that moment when Howard looks at the door, it's, again, one of those things that you feel when in life where you kind of do a double take and see something, but to try and figure out how to show that is... This song hard. choice here, uh, first of all, so 
awesome that Julia's punk thing to do is just leave a song on repeat blasting, knowing he's going to show up at 10 o'clock uh, with a clean apartment. But uh, the song choice itself here is, uh, was derived from... An, it was, I wanted to use Take a Bow by Madonna originally, and Sandler told me this great story about Rain when Madonna invited him to his house at the apex of his initial stardom and and uh, she this album is about to come up the entire Miami Heat were there at her apartment he was showing up thinking he'd had a date with Madonna he was excited and the entire Miami Heat were there and all their dancers and she said who wants to hear my new song and they came out and did an improvised perfectly synchronized song to that track and uh, he said it moved everyone including the Miami Heat in the room and said to Sandler right after telling me that story it's like it's going in the movie it's funny, people actually feel like something really bad is going to happen to Howard here. I mean, something bad is happening to Howard, but someone, everyone feel like someone's going to be tied up. In the, it's funny. when Everyone expects a, a jump scare in yeah. the closet. Or right here when he, the door opens. Come on, let's go. I love oh. this right here. This look is close up. Masterful. What, what is, what's going on in my dad's life right there? There's a whole world that I don't know Each, about. There's always a scene where like one actor really Look goes how good to the next Johnny level. Is. Let's just appreciate Johnny. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I am Let's talking about that right now. Well, we're saying what? Yeah, like I told him there's some hot chick living in your apartment. Who's that, mom? What are you doing talking to that cokehead? He was talking. I told you to go in there. There's, there's such a like a. He's trying to piece it together, and he really just understood it and did it who perfectly. Is, who is that, mom? And yeah, and he just said that. You know, that's that was his I, that was his knee-jerk reaction there. I also just love how quickly Howard turns on, on <laughs> people. Yeah, that guy right away. Who did him that favor? He's just that cokehead. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Johnny really, you know, giving him he was so good at taking direction. So subtle with his performance. Look at that eye look. Yeah, it's really that's him that's him piecing together his father's life right now and realizing, "Oh, you're a, you're a cheater." You're not the person who I thought you were. Yeah, that's the moment that we had the moment with um, his daughter. That's that moment right there. Mario Castro on saxophone here. This house is really like a jagged gem. Almost hit Adina in the head with the boom on this one. <laughs> I, I was very embarrassed about that one. I think I hit her the ponytail. I love Howard's shoulder bag here, which actually belonged to Johnny's real father, Izzy Aviani. Yeah, Izzy had his all his diamonds and some weed in there. <laughs> but this idea of just taking the garbage out. To me, this is one of the most impactful. Uh, sound effects in the whole movie the rolling the rolling and then Darius when 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 Sandler performed this specific action he really just like floored him yeah. the little things the Sandler way does. he would hitch the garbage up to take it up was was it in particular and Howard's a new man for the sake of appearances big day when he showed up on set with this suit that we had made for the film, he, uh, I said, I'm getting Barry Egan vibes. And he goes, anytime the Sandman puts on a suit, you get the Barry Egan vibes. This is, this is the I Howard do. Ratner commercial that Sandler throws in. <laughs> it's like a little Howard Ratner commercial interrupting real life. So, you know, you spend, you spend uh, as a filmmaker, as a filmmaker, you spend uh, 
all this time, you know, convincing the world that there's value in, in this story that you're telling and, and uh, you know, most of independent films, you, you finish the film and you go to a film festival and you show up and you see the program and there's a bit of an excitement and then you flip through and, and you uh, realize you're one page and many others and everyone else is just vying to prove their worth and in their story and, and, uh, and obviously this, some, some critic comes out and says it's, not, it's worthless the yellow card. I don't know. This this scene's always been meaningful to me. Fucking 155 bullshit happened. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Okay. What? What is she saying? I'm afraid that's your appraisal. I know that's what it says. I'm asking who came up with the fucking figure. Oscar and gems. Well, Oscar's fucking wrong. I I could go out and get I six. Love the moment where the conversation breaks down. And he's just like, you know what? Just let me do this. Thousand dollars a carrot. He's saying he can go to six. Give me the phone. Can I speak to a? <laughs> And he's trying to be polite. Haley's great. Until now. <laughs> Until there was great doing this scene. <laughs> also, just a testament to Adam's professionalism. I mean, he was handed all of these pages <laughs> over lunch on the day of, you know, literally right before, an hour before we shot the scene. Entirely rewritten version of the scene. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care. It needs to be changed. Do it. Tilda does a, a great job reifying the idea that Howard is so far out of his diamond district element. <laughs> totally. Well, just the fact that he's wearing a suit to this, you know? He's got to, like, it's but a totally I love, different... I'm deeply in love with the Howard who thinks yeah. he's navigating that Oh, for world. sure. This... Cupcake that little hour. that little finger point that Sandler adds. Just in him there, putting so. on his suit really is <laughs> yeah. is it says it all. Yeah, it says it all. <laughs> I remember when I showed up with in a suit for like the first Q and A I ever did. Like, Still kinda how you are in a suit <laughs> when you show up in a Q and A. <laughs> Howard's bid towards assimilation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. I think he thinks this is gonna work. <laughs> He really believes this, oh, of course. this is going to work. See, Howard's not sure if he's calling Anne or he's calling. she's calling security. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, hey, listen. Just fucking put him back in. I don't give a I got it. This is this. In my mind, made a decision. in my That's mind, that is, that is Skip's cameo. Because the way Gooey's voice reverberates Skip through that. Skip is our mixer. You see, the way it say. reverberates through this marbled lobby, Skip was riding it throughout the scene so whenever Gooey would get louder he would raise it and lower it Benji beautiful. Benji who's gonna run right now it's a grown man running to get an autograph from another grown man that's a it's incredible I love that moment he's excited yeah I mean he it's special because it shows the stardom of Kevin Garnett and this working and, uh, and I love that Benji can still be youthful. I mean, this, this character. And this scene with Judd, I remember this, when we did wait, this. Wait, hang on. Was, just, wait, wait, wait. It Judd, shows Judd was, the stardom of Kevin Garnett, but it also shows the kind of stunted adolescence yes, embedded of, in, of, in sports fandom, too. Yes, yes. But hey, Goo- I'm a huge fan. Sorry, Goo- That's Gooey. Judd here, there was such a nimbleness on the part of him as a performer and speed. It was so incredible. 200. You know? <laughs> they were just firing on all cylinders, Judd is you know. Incredible. I love the spin move. The naturalism. Five hundred. The way his whole face moves. KG's gonna buy it. It's not a problem. You obsessed with this stuff. And the and again, these little lilts of Howard. The way he's talking with people, it changes all you the time. You can really 
in Howard's close-up, you can really see the beautiful C-series lenses that we used. <clears throat> this auction scene, man, oh man, just a hard space to find. And we, I think we had, how long is the auction? But we had every angle, again, like Passover, you could possibly think of. I think I remember Kevin when, when, um, when Ruben first Howard. saw the first cut of the movie, he commented at this moment, he looked at the auctioneer and said, oh, finally, somebody who doesn't have curly hair. <laughs> Collectors work, and most importantly, it is windowed on either side. Kevin's point of view. It's dazzling color. And the it really is, this was, I like approaching this like an action scene, mm. you know, really just going in and thinking, okay, this is like a, this is the equivalent of a sports match for Howard. So you got all the people and you got to really go back and forth between everybody. The, fo the phones were very important to me. Yeah. I, um, every, I went to a bunch of auctions in, uh, over the years and uh, I was always, the, the phones were always a mystery to me. That's Bob Rubin right there who's been very supportive to us uh, our company, and he's a very cool guy. It's our little cameo for him. 100 grand. 100,000 now. so great at this moment, his reaction. Yeah. yeah. He sees it as so gauche. It, it's yeah. literally yeah. to try and fit three reactions in the 100,000. You know, it's insane. Yeah. And Arno, this is a big thing. It's like, Arno's there. We like, I remember you said, Arno's got to be a part of this he's now. He's shaking true. right there. Our buddy shaking the camera. No one's going to know what that means, but it means a lot to us. These guys are the only people more outside this world than Howard in the room. But they have and then these, <laughs> And then these looks, how, you know, Sandler's really showing desperation with just the movement of Arno his eyes. Arno knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Arno knows both of those. You know, yeah, it's gooey. 130 now. Should try 140. 140,000. Come on, sir. There's... Up it again. <laughs> this look right there, so... Should try 160. 160 now. Back against you again, sir. <laughs> that look right there with the eyes. He's subtly telling him, just bid, bid, bid. This moment with um, so I remember Jenny talking right with there. Jenny and them. Yeah, Jenny Sachs on the left there is actually Joel Embiid's manager, and uh, she was very helpful in attaching Joel Embiid before uh, we ended up having to recast for Kevin because of uh, we went into the season we couldn't shoot with an active player. And this right here, to to show this from. The back. Hold on. I have to move this along. We have a good bid at 190,000. I'm looking for 200. Move this up any higher, any further. We, wait, we sure, just went sir. to ECU on Howard, by the way. What's great about there we go. What's we, great we about it? saw him say no from behind, you know? What's crazy is the estimate was right. Yeah. <laughs> the estimate was right. And the, the, I, the play okay, came into the crowd on. here. Let's just focus on something for a second. His yeah, son you. congratulated him <laughs> yeah. for winning he has no he beat, clue. an he Opal. Beat, he beat Kevin Garnett, that's why. Yeah, of course, one-on-one -on -one he went to, but yeah. he got blindsided by the fact that he was buying it from his own son-in-law. It's our set photographer. <laughs> I love this. Thank you. Thank you. you get, when you go into a building in New York, you forget which yeah. way is up, which way is down. And again, yeah, that moment of that great switch, New York that turn. There's construction happening on this block. And oh, my God. They got a front row view to this entire movie. Literally, they were, when they pour construction from one of these buildings, the amount of cement trucks 
You literally have a ten minute window to just look get at, it done. Look at uh, Aaron Benji's character showing off. And watch Keith's thing. face right here. He's pl he's doing his job, being nice to him. Yeah, and as soon as he leaves, job. he got all the He goes he back needed. to being like, "All right, I'm done with that guy." See you, Gooey. There was the bolt cutters. And we and keep the street yet. alive. You'll see it coming up next. Hey. You see a gooey. That Rolls Royce. No, it's coming up next. Okay. Richie Rich, thank you. Yes, this, that Rolls belonged to uh, Nectaloff, uh, ju a jeweler family. Judd was so excited street. to curse here. <laughs> I love this Howard. He's he is a, another he classic angry. Howard yeah. He doesn't yeah. know who to release anger on, so he's going to release it on the driver. I know, I know. I'll bet you were right. Maybe the bolt, the bolt cutters, cutters was there. We left the street Sorry. open, and this guy just goes through with these bolt cutters. So the and weird thing here is, this is just the way the world works. Benny and I, ten years ago, when we first really wrote the first draft of the movie, the first version of this script, the nostalgic retelling, uh, we met with Howard, uh, a guy who our dad worked for in the Diamond District, and we met with him. We took a walk, and we ended up sitting right there. That's so weird to uh, me. And I didn't even remember that until I found the photograph. And that from photo, 10 that years thing in the, was in the background, that plaque. It's right there. We I know. Should, the photograph takes right there, open to the public, right there. Again, I yeah, the fact that this this street was just wide open while this was all going on, it adds such a realism to the whole thing. I can't you know, Howard that, thought that the fake phone call was going to uh, work. Yeah. But Keith being like, yeah, you're lucky there's people around. You know, that's all part of it. This next scene, we. we uh, only had a certain amount of takes. There's about a hundred extras littered amongst hundreds of real people. And yeah, we and put we... the camera where it can be blocked by people. Yeah. Cameras are pretty far away. I love this right here. Oh, and this, I remember that moment with, with Keith. He, he was not convinced the punch would look real. So he wanted to get much closer to Sandler. And there was no way we were letting him get, because he's not actually trained to do that. I, uh, and I remember we had to show him, we had to film a little punch from like eight feet apart to show him that it would look normal. It wasn't until later that night when I realized that I've seen many people bathe in these fountains before that uh, uh, we threw Adam Sandler into and a, a little thing. That's slippery with those shoes on oh, that yeah. marble. I was nervous. We were also inspired by a really great oh, yes. piece of material. <laughs> a prank, prank. Call it a... Method action wrestling. I love. You know, I love all the noises people, going on in this hallway right people now. Because who when wear, he comes back, you just you, if you just listen to it. It's people who wear glasses. Um, you know, who you only see them wearing glasses. That moment when you see them without them, it always feels really naked and and like you're seeing a new side of them for the first time. But really, and, and these you're are just actually, seeing them without some things on their face. That story you told about the the jacket. These are the actual guys that oh, that yeah. sold the clothes. The Brioni suits. First time you're seeing the office from this perspective. Nice Maceo Bishop camera work here, too. A reminder of the chaos from the other day, a little dead fish. Those are the guys who were filming that jacket. Love Joni's response here. I mean, those good. are the guys pretending to be the guys who sold me that jacket. Send everybody home. Sandler's so All nervous. right, sweetie. Sand, yeah, uh, Andrea, who plays Joni, she's incapable of not being herself. But well, 
all how all we hear here is Howard's fingers and rings on that stone. It's totally lifeless for him. There was a piece in the script that we cut out on the day <clears throat> where uh, after he handles the stone, he picks up a crumpled piece of paper and tries shooting it in the basket. It was, basket. It, it was corny. I, I was yeah, happy to see. I'm it happy go. to see it go, but yeah. I I like the idea of it because it's still embedded in. It's in the ideas in the behind idea that, of him yeah. holding the stone, and not getting what he needs. I just wanted to see how the auction went. Terrible. I don't. I, I don't want. That. Remember we. <laughs> Terrible. I remember we we had, we had noise in the background, and when Scott watched it, he goes, "I want there to be a five alarm fire outside while this is going on, because the world stops for nobody." You know, that's the point. Julia's, uh, they're both really fantastic in this. And uh, this is Warren Shaw in the background. That's our sound designer. He's getting those sounds in there. So Man, I remember reminded of the, uh, again, the theatrics of a relationship like this. I remember talking to Sandler about having a, to, to cry like this because we wanted it to be messy and, and kind of dirty. But And then... I remember when um, I was talking to him about it, I told him, that, like, you get into this tornado of emotions and you just eventually get caught up. You don't really know what to say and you just let it go. And I was like, it actually could be pretty cathartic to do that in front of people. But, I like that there was a challenge briefly online to do the I'm so sad, oh, yeah. I'm so fucked up performance. <laughs> yeah. He does it. It's great that she comes into the scene assuming she's he's crying about her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's totally just it's a yeah. The, there are different points of view. She doesn't know. She doesn't so know sweet. what he's going yeah, through. It's, yeah, it's interesting you're to hear my that home. with an audience. You know how they react to that. You're my home. You can come to me is such a devastating line. It's not going right. Everything I do is not going. Just the way Sandler played this, you know, with such. There's a simplicity to the things he's saying. Well, it's so that yeah. The way he's expressing himself is so blunt and yeah. brutal. Everything I do is not going right. I'm so sad. I'm so sad. <laughs> oh my God, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. So one there was one day when Ronnie and I were in the booth. Uh, we wrote a lot of this movie in a projection booth, uh, and uh, we would have such epic arguments. Uh, and I'd have to take walks, and you know, I remember one time Ronnie texted me. He's like, "We're still friends, right?" <laughs> uh, we just have these epic arguments. But I remember we were in this scene. We we're at a, I don't know, at a, a block, and I called Julia, uh, and I walked her through the scene, the dialogue we had, and I asked her, I said, what would you do to hit reset on this relationship? Easy, I'd get a tattoo. Right, it's so great, name. and right away, it's, you know, the, you know, you can't even get buried with me pops up, and it's just, it's such a, it's such a, um, it's about as sincere uh, gesture as, as one can do, you know, any, any, any doubt that one would have in terms of like how deep her connection is with him is sort of instantly answered, or those doubts are staunched as soon as you see her, you know, get a permanent mark on her body. Clearly, she's devoted. I, there's something I forgot to say. Wait, quickly, I forgot to say that when I was talking to Sandler, I actually started crying. And it was a very intimate moment between. Us. Benny's the master. I couldn't help crier. But there's something that the the universalness of Howard's low in this moment is. We've seen him do such crazy shit, so many bad decisions, so many wild circumstances, but everyone's been, I think, in life as an adult this low at some point. Mm -hmm. And and it's this is important to see Howard at least acknowledge that it's a lot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and you need you need someone. You need someone there to I love Again, his that, face. Yeah. The, that's one of those voice 
acting moments where to to make it seem realistic took a lot of time, but it's makes all the difference in the world. Right now, with one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars cash. All right. You said I got. is very special. Yeah, I love him. They're uh, bringing back Marshall here. Kevin's really on the way. He was just at the bank. Come get your money, buddy. Where you feel the love. I need the Celtic ring back. What happened to Friday? I know, I know. I know. Monday, I know. Marshall. This is like a boy. The, the way that this feels is like a Borscht Belt kind of routine. Mar- yeah. Bam, 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 bam. You know, Marshall has, uh, you know, Todd, who who Sandler trailed a bunch for the movie. You know, Marshall knows Todd very well, and this scene was. Um, it, it was emotional for him. He he understood this scene. He understood the sympathy that you can feel with someone who frustrates you. Yeah, the uh, moment he's and, doing and the, something. And also, this, there's also like a Jewish, you know, brother, brotherhood happening here, too, which is also Yeah, but nice not enough that he's not going to charge exactly. a, a Vig. He's taken the, the ring, and he's exactly. charging my higher Vig than he asked for, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but and he, he says, says, I'm sorry. But he oh, says, booby, yeah, what's right. going on here, which is the affection. But he's still taking that ring. It starts to it's do like business. When, it's yeah. like when you see Kobe dunk on this, on someone. This and was the first scene. This is the first scene we shot. This is the first scene we shot with Kevin, and street was wide open, and Kevin just was in the car, and we like rushed because we were trying to beat the light. And I remember when Kevin got out, he just had to fold into it. He's like, "All right, this is how it's going to be." So and then the ne- the upcoming no time to think. The, oh, right here, Sandler does this great thing. Here. I love he, it. He mimics Kevin because he it's it's like a subconscious acting choice that. When Kevin decides to take ownership of the room, Howard's like, you know what? It was my idea. Takes ownership also. <laughs> so this scene here is probably the scene we spent the most time writing uh, and the most time editing, and we had the least time to shoot. Just playing with me at some point. This hasn't been straight since I came here. Yeah, and this is like, this is again, it's, it's just two characters sitting there, you know, and having this conversation, but there were an infinite amounts of ways this scene could go. KG called me coach. At one point during this scene, it's complicated. Kate. To come in and do that, you know, and to to switch up the scene on him and and have him come in with different emotions and different speeds, you know, Kevin rolled with everything. All right, I guess, I guess that's fair. Let me get the fucking opal, man. Let me get the fuck up out. It's opal. It's yeah. opal's very valuable for you. Absolutely. Okay, I did that. I I respect you. I, respect I love that. I did that. He's proud. It's just what he did. He's letting them know. What'd you pay for this? Real shit. What'd you pay for this right here? That's not a fair question, question. Kevin. All right? This is a great question. And he calls him Kevin. He calls him Kevin. I'm not going to take the money back. when I did the deal now. I'm just saying. Straight up. Straight up. Me and you. Mano, mano. I just love the, the naturalism that Kevin has here. The way he's talking to Howard is just so... That's, this is... That's... I'm telling you. That's... Uh, if I answer that question, it's very misleading. Why? It's, I paid a hundred grand, okay? So you doubled your money. I'm the joke here, all right? I got fucked. A million dollars is what I was supposed to get. I get a fucking what? Made 65 G's? You gave some niggas from Ethiopia a hundred grand for something you thought was worth a million dollars. You don't see nothing wrong with that, Howard? Ethiopian miners, you know what these fucking guys make? A hundred grand's 50 lifetimes for these fucking guys. A million dollars is more. That way that Howard's kind of like shaking his body on that line. Fucking 30 points, KG. Right? I see you out there when the fucking stadium's all booing you. You're 30 up, you're still going full tilt. Let's see what Vegas. What has Vegas got you guys? It's hard to not just fold into watching the movie at this point because this is where I watch. From this point on is when I can watch the movie 
every single time. I don't keep track of none of that shit. Who they think on game I love that when Ke when we were talking to Kevin about this scene, he's like, do you realize what is being asked of me as a character right here? On game night, somebody's bringing up the betting lines right in front of me with a bag of money on the table. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. Come on, KG. This is no different than that. This is me. All right? I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my fucking way. This is how I win. All right? All the fucking hard work I do, all the fucking ass kicking and the dues I pay, you're not going to score on the big one on game seven? I remember when when uh, Scott Rudin saw this, saw the first cut of the film that he that he saw was after about three months of editing. He, uh, he said it was his favorite scene. And then about, an, he says, one of the greatest scenes of any movie he's ever seen. And then about two hours later, he goes, needs so much work. It's, it's one the of the worst, worst scenes. It's ever. one of the worst the edited worst. scenes I've ever it's seen. It's one of the in my greatest life. movies he's ever seen, but it was the worst edited scene in the film. That's yes. what he basically <laughs> was, said at that point. And I was and, just like, oh my good. god. He pushed us often and yeah, what he was really saying to, is this has the potential to be the yes. sort of tentpole of yeah. the entire movie, yeah. but it's and not there right. yet. And, and it was just literally it was a matter of trying to understand each point of view but trying to get it across in a way that was we're a team tonight this cue it was really a it was a it was a balancing act you know and trying to sure. get just in the writing as well yeah. because you know you're you don't want to create the sense yeah. of a thesis exactly and it's you know then there were there were deliveries of each of them where they were really hitting it too hard on the nose and you really have to kind of cut and get rid of all that hey do you mind watching this baseball? love shot yeah just having them talk, the, what the conversations that they were having before. I just love the shot because you see them, the collective group here. <laughs> and I just love that right there, that Julia. This look right that there. A, yeah. That a slimy guy who would hit you with the most sexist comment ever. She, it's like, it's, she's, they're like rubber bullets to her. They bounce right off There's her. something about Mitchell on film. He looks so good. Yeah. And it's so just such a pleasure, again, to be able to, to, you know, to deal with these. You have these chess pieces. Yeah. You have these plot mechanics and be able to, yeah, yeah. you know, to move wind around, up the yeah. whole movie and now slowly start to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just make it. You can move them around and you know that it's going to be pulling strings. Yeah. This was one of the first scenes that we shot in the movie. It was like second day or something like that. And I remember there was pressure for us to reshoot this because there was a concern that there wasn't going to be intense enough. <laughs> uh, and this, the reality is, is that Howard knows he's actually very at ease with his decision also, right here. And also, technically, the guys in the showroom think everything is fine. He's just having a conversation with Kevin in the other room. And again, so. you know, if you look at it structurally, similar to the introduction of getting trapped in the door and yeah. how that plays out later... Here we introduce this idea, yeah. this, this romantic idea of them hanging out the window only to get him, yeah. you know, out the sure. window in the most perilous so way. So that guy right there later. who popped his head up, who looked at her, she says, thanks, Joe. Oh, Joe is the shot. owner of the uh, building, and he was one of the first people to really embrace us. We actually shot a 35-millimeter camera test. Uh, Sean Price Williams actually shot that. We did that in 2013 or something like that, and... and uh, he was he featured in he had a little leg cast and he was very very helpful to us uh, the this, entire time his whole family this was. moment right here I don't know what made us think it was possible but to have this we had these two conversations happening at exactly the same time every time mm -hmm. and we were so confident that it was going to happen and, and it did work you know I'm totally amazed by it that it, to be able to get them to to cut together that way. And this, oh, this, there was such a raw aggression back there. 
this Keith bringing it up to such a level. And then I remember Sandler said to us, he's like, I'm not, after doing one, he's like, I'm not going to let him push me around like that. And the fact that he slaps him right there. And this cut, this shot of Arno, this one <laughs> coupled with the next one where he's like, he's going to become complicit in this moment. They call it a machine. Yes, move I the, love that. Move the, move machine. the machine. That's my favorite. That, that's how Keith... <laughs> That's how it came out with Keith, you know. But that was the that was the moment that we discussed with Eric when we first met with him about playing in the movie. He, that was the moment that inspired him to do the mo- the film because it's it's the spot. He's look at Sandler's beat red. He's actually hanging out up there. They're really hanging him out of window. Yeah. yeah what Listen to me. And that was on a stage. And this, but it was he was still hanging um, outside of he was he was twenty feet off <laughs> the he, ground. There was, he was he was hanging out of a window. He was hanging out of a real window. <laughs> yes, Thank you, the real window wasn't on a. Well, his hey. blood is responding yes. to gravity, whether he's 20 feet off the ground or That's 200 true. feet. And it's the same rigging system for above a building or out there. She's a Mohican son. Yeah, yeah, come on. Mohican. Let's go. What else, Pika? Keith. He had the beta blade app, okay? Keith, as an actor, is unbelievable. And there were little things that he would... We knew that like when we met with him and, and cast him, that he would bring just a... Like things like that, these little well, the, moments of just by, truth. By the way, the Blade app wasn't a thing until 2014, but the Blade website. No, the Blade no, wasn't even not. around until <laughs> 2014, but I think it was. We acknowledge. I, I believe there that was it a was. version of Blade. Was. Those there things was. don't just happen. <laughs> I believe that no, it was. They don't just happen. That was around in 2012. You could maybe charter it wasn't a public. helicopter. They're working on it. Yes, yeah, you could charter a helicopter. He's a big helicopter guy. What are you doing? You could charter a helicopter. In 1972. And this moment right here, Keith and, and, and Sandler going toe-to-toe. And he just has no fear. No fear of this moment. You know, it's beautiful. The thing to me that pushes this exact scene over the edge is Josh's idea to use these meditation bowls here. It's so counterintuitive. It works so well. There was that chisel. Yeah. Oh, man, I love his face in the green of the glass. I agree. And this. That pull out that the yeah. camera work. And this, the split screen. Yeah. Here. The sixes shouldn't even be there. <laughs> this was, do you, Ronnie, do you remember? The McDonald's? <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's that's where we devised the climax <laughs> moment. They're going to get you the garden you heard that? You Open the door. door. I know you're upset, on. Of course right? I'm upset. I'm Josh's car broke down, and, and uh, we ended up in a McDonald's, and it's probably one of our most fruitful writing sessions. And then those, and then the. Do you remember what happened with the group of teenagers? We don't have to get into that. But. I remember telling Keith that that was his. Like there were certain things that you have, you tell the the actors that they can do to shift the scene, and that at any moment Keith could just pull that out and shift the conversation to the right moment. Was it Ibsen who said that if a gun comes out? I think it was Chekhov. Chekhov, excuse me, Ibsen. What did he say? <laughs> Thank you, Benny. <laughs> he said, I think if the gun, if a... If you a, see it in the first, you're right? It's oh, got to no, go. said it. It's, I mean, at this point, everybody seems to have said it. What, do they say? what does everyone say? I think it's that, a, if, a, if a gun appears in, in, in a, in the first know, in a act, piece of fiction, right, it must, it? It just, at some must point, go it must go off. It's me. But so I guess to the people just, who have are watching I, this for the first time, it doesn't. You don't go know. Off. It doesn't go off. Benny, no one's watching this for. The, if they if they're watching, if it, you're I, still I watching really, it, really, so. really hate guns uh, in movies. So I was happy to push its appearance to as 
the last possible minute. I'm not here to argue with you. Dina, get the kids out of the house. I'm frightened, okay? Just get out, go to Amy's, and do not leave there until I get home. It was a look that we missed of Keith that's just such, so scary and harrowing as he watches him on the phone looking at him. And it's, those are actually the moments that when you see something like that, you actually dedicate the whole scene to revolve around those things. Right. Here we get to the great Wayne Diamond. So I, I uh, was in this helicopter with him. We shot for about three hours. I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as I did during those three hours of shooting. He just went off on these monologues of just garish, nouveau riche, mockery. I mean, it was, it was, he's, a, he's a guy who uh, I met through SIBO. Sibo met him at a restaurant once where he was the loudest guy in the restaurant. And he's like, Josh, you got to meet this guy, yeah. Wayne Diamond. And uh, we ended up doing a hour-long podcast with him, uh, uh-huh. where, which was, you know, and then our friend filmed with him a little bit at a restaurant, and he was he just so opinionated. This is Debbie so, Delisi, our well, amazing he's, background. He's, um, he's like an uber garmento, you know, in, uh, uh, you know, Fashion Avenue, Manhattan, uh, 1970s. He, he used to party with my... With my uncle, they were good friends. What, I only when did you learn that. that? Yeah, not until not well. I until guess, you showed the film to your parent, family, I knew he was from the Garment Center. Well, you were so talking I, with Wayne, and it came up, and yeah. it was like Bronstein. Wait a second, he, you know? but he, but he's, he's incredible. He's proclaimed Schmata King. Yeah, he he is a sense assaulter. He can assault every <laughs> single one of the five senses at once. Maybe not taste, unless this you is were the to whole Mohegan Sun crew, right? We just when we got there, we just that's wanted Chad to use, who runs the. We wanted book. to use everybody who worked there. Yeah. Chad is the one who accepted that parlay for all you uh, gambling uh, aficionados out there, okay? Listen, that's a dumb bet. It's a dumb bet. This is it, boys. This is it. This is where we are about to witness the single craziest manic thing that Howard does in the movie for me, which is betting on the opening tip. (laughs) (laughs) Does it the first bet, too, though? He does, yeah. That's his thing. That's his, <laughs> it's his trademark. But I think there there really was a statistic that Kevin Garnett often did win the, the opening tip. Uh, because remember the Rondo, they would do that whole thing where he would accept oh, like a the, quarterback. Um, the, and they'd have stuff. a routine. Yeah. Yes, yes. You don't have a routine if you don't, if you don't do it a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. KG, that shows how competitive KG is. Yeah. He wants that tip. Of course. Get that fucking tip. <laughs> That's it, okay? Three grown men sitting in a in a fish tank. Is... The amount the amount of different points of view of each one of these people. But it, I remember talking with Sammy. The best one's uh, coming out. Yes, right before right, the tip. Right before the tip is the moment we switch to Arno's point of view, and uh, it cuts back and forth right here. Here. Come on. Come on. Right here, Arno looking. We see his point of view of the TV. And then he goes back to Howard, and you see Howard from the outside. There it is. And Howard's totally oblivious to everything else except that television. It's a great one. Yes! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) And he admits it to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) I remember spending a lot of time with Sammy uh, figuring out the right tint to this glass. Yeah. To create this. It's endless possibilities. Samuel Lysenko, our production designer. Just focusing on rebounds, making an, un, uh, an audience, a novice Care audience, not, uh, who doesn't normally understand basketball or the way betting works, just focusing 
a statistic, uh, like a rebound. We actually do have Sandler going through every single one of Kevin's shots and rebounds, so which the, is amazing. The I'd like to see a like a, a basketball game with just Howard. I was going to say Howard. rebounds are a conceptually deep yes, st- they are. statistic. So the night before we shot this scene uh, at Mohegan Sun, I was restless. I couldn't fall asleep, so I decided to go down and shoot some crap just to get some steam off. And I ended up shooting crap with uh, that man who uh, Julie is talking to named Aura. And uh, and then I, it was, it was, he was very warm. Uh, and uh, then I texted Sibo and I said around 2.30, I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just in my room. I was like, can you come back down to the crap table with me? There's a guy there who I really want to get into the scene tomorrow. We didn't have... Was this was this role written? It no. was written... The thing in the script that it said was she, uh, she talks... Because remember, we were trying yeah, to no do... dialogue. The, we were yeah. trying to do this thing constantly to to manage but the budget where we would not put a script <laughs> Don't in Don't tell people in. this. We're gonna work, we still have to make movies in the future. Anyway, right? so we had in the script, it just said a better explains... <laughs> well, and sometimes you get inspired on the set and you give them lines. But we had not casted this part <laughs> and we were shooting it the next day. It was 3 a.m. Shlomo was at the craft there, table. I will... <laughs> Say, I will say, when what we, was his line that he kept saying? Shoot. I will say. <laughs> Do it again, Daniel. He would throw the dice and he would say, shoot. I will <laughs> it say, there, it was very clear to a lot of the background that that's, that would happen. So when everybody was there and we would pick the background, you could see a sense of excitement like, oh, I'm going to get a line. You know, it was just. But the other incredible thing is that, like, this. Uh, this guy had no idea. He trusted us. Yeah. You know, we were it was three oh a.m. In, in Mohegan Sun, and we're asking him to be in a movie. Yeah, no, and then Sounds he shows very up. Sus. Yeah. I know, and then he shows up, he and it's a really big, suspicious. it's a big movie, and he was totally natural. He was doing bong riffs in the parking lot. <laughs> the beauty of betting. <laughs> and this again, we obsessed, we were not. We obsessed so much over the sound. I could never smoke weed. Oddly enough, make a movie. Mohegan Mohegan Sun. Mohegan Sun is actually not a very loud casino. You know, there's not a lot of those noises that you associate. Actually, Doc Rivers right here. To hear, we told Doc the scenario. And he said, just give me two minutes. And he sat back and he wrote this insane speech for the locker room that he But gave. the Roaches is inspired it's by from, a yeah. Clippers speech. For sure. But to me, it's a, that's, a, that's a line to, uh, you know, the Holocaust even. It's just like, you can't exterminate us. Yeah. You know? You and, this, and this actually, when we shot this whole sequence with, with uh, Sandler, this, I love this. This okay, is something so we actually got the game very late in the production. And again, these are one of these moments that the, that you see on the broadcast that you would attach to if you were watching the game because you just have the time. Yeah, going into the shoot, we only had access to the highlights from this game, and I knew that the as a someone who watches basketball, it's the little things that that stand out to you in the broadcast. That guy who he points to, uh, who that goads Keith, and where you that's the moment where Keith realizes I'm going to shoot shoot this man in the face. I, I always uh, joke that Keith... But he, he said, I, we showed the film in Boston, and I said, does anyone know who that guy is? He goes, oh yeah. Maybe shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, but the, he, Maybe we should uh, Apologies. Well, yes, apologies. And I heard he actually lost a lot of weight and is looking the, great, and I, we're going to try do, your restaurant. I do actually always joke that in that moment, because Keith is paying attention to the game. So he's like, yeah, they're up by three points. Philly's in the bonus. They're gonna, they have two timeouts left. <laughs> he's got it all in his head. That's, we're at 25 now. This whole one sequence more. was insane. You know, how do you keep it? That was so such a. Uh, this is another spot where everyone thinks something uh, yes. bad is going to happen, huh? 
I think some people think that maybe something good's gonna happen. A little bit of a little bit of sex, maybe. Oh, I think uh, see. <laughs> I think that's what uh, that's what uh, Wayne. Good is for thinking. who? There. <laughs> it's definitely for what Wayne, Wayne is thinking. Wayne. Wayne. Everyone should know his his name in the script is handsome older male. He'd like everyone to know that. <laughs> it's there high roller. And I love that he's got the IP head. Yeah, and also obviously <laughs> just the classic sleazy move. I'm gonna get in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish we could keep the uh, the actual outtake of. How how proud oh, yeah. he was of how good he was at showering. He was the best at showering. Yeah, he he improvised a bunch of lines. He's like, I'm gonna take a shower. I'm the best at showering. There's oh, no the one better than I me. At, there's no one better than me at getting showered. I get the cleanest. When I'm done with the shower, nothing is dirty. It's all clean. <laughs> and then later, when he shows up with the towel, he goes, "Put me in a towel. No one looks better than me in a towel." <laughs> he has an unbelievable skill set. Very diverse. Yeah. This well, was this washing was... <laughs> and wearing a towel. This was tough. Look, the, the score is only fifty-seven, fifty-four. I love you. Look at him. I love him. Sixty-eight, seventy-three in the fourth. Sixty-eight, seventy-three is it's a low-scoring game. Say the score, which makes it a unique line. Yes, that's yes, true. It's red. It's red as it is would normally be. Yes. Because Julia does not watch sports. She doesn't know. And it was it was interesting to talk to her She's about She's the it. audience at that because point. Hearing about it. The way, and I remember telling her, just like, whenever you feel something, it's going to feel awkward and weird, but you just got to go with it. <laughs> oh. Bogosian is so great in the bowl. Cigarette is the only thing that's he said, signifying the difference. And, he, and, he had quit, and he had quit. And he's like, but I'll bring it back. Bogosian <laughs> was so happy. He was like, because he really just wanted to get into Arno. So the cosmic nature of this movie, obviously you hear it in the score, but but it's great that in this moment uh, you have a man, a jeweler in the Diamond District, whose chief concern about the outcome of his life depends on the microsecond of a basketball player hitting a free throw, while at the same time on the other side of the planet you have a miner whose chief concern about the outcome of his life is if a faulty piece of equipment is going to fall on him and kill him. That shot of Kevin shows the connection between all of us. Here. That shot of Kevin from the broadcast just feels like it's just totally part of the, this the a, movie. This this whole sequence of shots of, yeah. of Bogosian here speak and to the nuances of his performance and the and his the delicacies of the way he can perform. This cut, I don't know what it is. That Howard to her, this is one of those things where you just don't know what it just. It's called yeah, ranks the chemistry equation, yeah. yeah. Her and this, case. remember talking with Julia here this moment, because we see her when they win. You know, we're not with Howard at that moment. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh shit! Oh my God! I love you! I love you! I love you! I love you! I think in the script we had it so that the Wayne comes back out and celebrates with him, got rid of that. And I loved seeing this dialogue in the script always. It was just a big block of I love yous. And t- and when There's that no was spacing. happening, remember when that was happening well, hold on, on set? Eric's performance right here. Let's just appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's putting his jacket on. And with those I eyes. Just, yeah. There's something about putting your jacket Again, that's, on that's when, one when of those, you're leaving. That's one of those moments that you build around, you know? Keith here. It's it's hot, So Keith, says. Keith, Keith was so interesting in his questions here as a performer. He's like, how... How much am I trying to hide my action? And he looks away right before he does. And we it. had this decision with the when we finally saw this set built, uh, and we saw the mirrored ceiling. 
Yeah, to go uh, that we would do this effect that the camera, like a machine, gets turned off. That's Howard is this motor mouth that just gets turned off like a machine. All of a sudden, he's just he's off now yeah. forever. Exterminated. And exterminated. And uh, just the idea that of keeping this loose camera thing that when he gets shot, the camera basically yeah. the operator falls away and it just whips up to the ceiling. And yeah. You, it's a totally it new tough, feeling. Tough to do, and Maceo did a great job operating that. And then I remember Chris Solano. Well, this to try and find right here. to try and find the focus on Howard. But this sequence right here, this scene right here is. Um, we should discuss it because it was originally designed. We thought sound. we'd shoot it mm-hmm. so that we could at least have the most effective sound design. And uh, Eric and Keith, they just went to another level as performers and, and uh, when Eric threw, pushed the gun away from him it went into Keith's face and actually uh, punctured skin and he was bleeding and it uh, catalyzed a, a, an incredible confrontation that that, um, that resulted yeah in like what, what I was, we and saw we, we, and I remember there were, there were things like is this real or is it not well, do you remember? and Keith grabs Eric's collar yeah. and I remember the stunt man saying if you ever want to grab somebody by the neck you grab him by the collar so when I saw that I knew Keith was just totally yeah, in Keith it and was, Keith was performing yeah. uh, and Amy went up to Eric and Eric is like do not cut that with but I do eyes. remember one of the sound people yeah, he ran out he freaked out and went and complained and said this because is an unsafe it, it set felt because so it was, raw yeah. you know it felt so alive And but again you have to be open to moments like that happening here comes my uh, my 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 little cameo. Not yet. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> it's coming up. It's right here in the bottom left of your frame. I'm betting right there. Boom. That's me. <laughs> Are you just you're losing so much. Oh my god. Today. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was fun to do Ronnie, this with you remember Kevin with the Rock. I oh, kept trying to explain to Ronnie. It's like he's, I, used I was to like, oh, you. well, I just wait, I can't wait, 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 Kevin's Ronnie. saying it right now. We we allowed Kevin to have his ability to go back into 2012. And and talk about the future that could have been, but, but yeah, I said to Ronnie, I said no, he should say it's me and the Rock. I was like, it's so obvious to talk about the gem like this. No, the Rock is slaying for a basketball. Yeah, I had no game. idea. <laughs> so I I went to prove to him that that wasn't the case for no reason other than to annoy him and <laughs> and found something online that was so horrible and annoying and I've been sending it to him ever since. <laughs> the tear of blood here is Howard is a he's uh, a martyr. Uh, he had to die. It's um, the parabolic nature of the movie. It's a fable. It's a moral tale, really. It's uh, uh, there's no other way that this story. And brainstorm did such an amazing job with all of this stuff. Yeah, we really pushed him hard. None of that is real. And uh, here we're, you know, very in an explicitly formal level, we're telling the audience that Howard is the is the gem. Uh, Howard, that Howard is the uncut gem, and, and uh, you know the film is called Uncut Gems, and it's asking people to look past those superficial flaws, the little things that might rub you the wrong way, get un- deep underneath to something and a value that we are, un- we are, we are impossibilities, we are uh, miracles. It sounds corny to say it, but it is true, and our all of our ugliness, there's something there. like watching this part with an audience it, it feels like you're like almost in like Epcot Center or something going through a ride and it is it is beautiful it's like the Stargate sequence 
the song here that comes up for the credit sequence is the song that we've had in the script for about eight years. It's the song that lives with Howie. And then we're left with the story. Uh, who's going to... Ronnie, you want to read all the credits? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, for listening. And if that was your first time watching, I hope you you're enjoyed. a psychopath. Yeah, that don't the first come time on, watching, Benny. Benny. You're encouraging this. I am encouraging. <laughs> it. I'm telling you, there's somebody out there who does it. No, there is. There has to be. What? There's someone who just likes watching with an audience. Yes, and they want or mystery science theater type thing. I don't know. That's what Mystery Science Theater is. A lot of people haven't seen those movies. And you watch it with people talking about it. I mean, Albert, do you guys want to continue watching this right now? I, I think, I think we can. We can go. Thank you to everybody who's on this list. Yeah, you did thank such you. amazing work, and it's we wouldn't have been able to do it. And if you've listened to this entire commentary, please send an uh, an email to uncutgem at kmhgemsandjewelry.com. And you will receive a very special prize for your dedication. Friends your of interest. Howie discount? It's a Friends of Howie discount. Send that email, and if you get a bounce back, just keep sending it. Yeah. Uh, eventually it'll reach someone, and uh, your appreciation will be felt. Right. People survive face shots all the time. That is true. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening.